Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're covering Season 5, Episode 11, entitled Confessions. Uh, I'm sure we'll play the name game at some point during this episode. Uh, what do you think of the, the whole thing? Ten. Ten? Oh, oh, you bumped it up to a ten. No, I was at 9.5 last time uh, on the Instagram. Man, cast. I don't Were you I at ten? I don't think that the fact that we don't understand where the cold open is going is any cause to bump this thing down. Uh, this is all right. Uh, I it might be my favorite episode of Breaking Bad. It also I uh, just astounds me for how Vince Gilligan can just deliver a haymaker out of nowhere um, in, the, in the early parts of the season, uh, an episode three, which is typically like. Not that stellar, right? And he's That's where it starts with, to sag. He's playing with such a fucking handicap. I mean, he's he's shown us where the end is going. Yep. With all this advanced yep. information, he's played out four, uh, f- uh, four and a half seasons of material. It's all been right there in our, my grasp. I'm really mad at myself because I've said many, many times, you know, from a certain point of view... Hank could be seen as Walton. I don't know why I didn't say just like take that to its next <laughs> logical conclusion. But not only did I not do that, I I have been reading Reddit for three years on Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. Mm-hmm. I've been hosting this podcast for three years. No one called that. Not usually somebody can fucking point to say. I mean, there was somebody on on Reddit trying to say the to, to claim credit, and he made similar observations that I have about the way you can you kind of look at Hank's uh, like the 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 through the looking glass version of Hank's activities. Uh-huh. But no one called it, and that is amazing. Yeah, no, I, it, and it's a brilliant idea, right? It's it's one of those things that we talked about uh, maybe a couple episodes ago where it's surprising yet obvious. Surprising yeah, and, yet and, obvious. And that's what I'm – That's the people ask me what I want from the final season of Breaking Bad, and yeah. I said, well, that, but pff, who, who can pull that off consistently? <laughs> oh, apparently and the Villigan can. Vince Vince Gilligan can do that. And yeah. it's interesting because I've listened to a lot of podcasts today and even guys like, you know, Bill Simmons and Chuck Klosterman, who are like these kind of big pop figures themselves, are reduced to like these quivering fanboys where, you know, they're just saying like, yes, it seems so obvious in hindsight. And it was all there. It's not like he does this bullshit, you know, like I'm I'm not a big fan of the usual suspects, um, the, the Kaiser mm-hmm. Soze moment at the end. Yeah, um, because I felt like it played dirty. It 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 hid certain things from us as an audience member, and then like, well, weren't you know, aren't we so clever that we pulled this shit out of our ass? Yeah, Milligan, it's, it's almost I, the opposite, right? It's you couldn't have seen it versus you should have seen it. Yeah, he's playing Dungeons and Dragons. He's the dungeon master that doesn't use the DM screen. He don't care what the fuck you can <laughs> you can see his notes. He, you can see his dice rolls. He doesn't give a shit. He's still going to surprise you. He's still going to do a total party kill. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he may. He may. By there's the like end of this. there's we'll like ten percent of our audience like really vigoring, vigorously nodding right now. Ninety oh, percent are like the what? Yep. 
Uh, all right. Well, let's get right into the recap. Be- We've before talked I got a uh, before I got a correction that many, many, many people sent into us, and I feel like a total dumbass about. Um, Justin was the first. He said it's it would be hard for Jane's father Donald to enact revenge for his daughter's death because he committed suicide. As Walt was driving, a news report came over to radio stating he had died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. What really upsets me is I feel like that this has come up in our previous two seasons of coverage, and I've always been able to catch it. But uh, I had a moment of weakness and uh, just went along with the feedback, so I feel like a a goofball there. Uh, Other thing I wanted to mention is that... um, no, I'll wait for it a little bit, in the, a little bit further in the cast. I want to okay. get, get right to the episode. All right. Well, then we should probably do that. Go back uh, in time five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, so we open up with Todd talking to uh, his uncles, relating the story of the train robbery to uh, his Nazi brigade there. And afterward, they go into the bathroom where Nazi uncle wipes uh, blood off his boot. And then they go out to their truck, which happens to be towing gallons and gallons of methylamine a, a veritable ocean of methylamine yeah it's the original uh, container last seen i believe in the car wash uh yeah oh, maybe After... in vomino's pest i don't know man i think i think walt towed it to the car wash to keep uh, mike from stealing it and then okay. you know i don't think we really saw it i mean obviously it went to declan and you know blah 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 but sure. but uh it's, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed containers. Is what I was getting at. Yeah, definitely. Uh, looks like about half full, right? They've made mm-hmm. a lot of meth, so uh, right. th- there's a lot of money floating around there. And even though we talked uh, about fifty million dollar mistake from Lydia last episode, so right on. Uh, anyway, so uh, this is the scene that I kind of dismissed uh, offhand last in in the instant cast. Hadn't had any time to think about it. Obviously, it's the nature of the instant cast. On second watch, it's it's a little better, uh, in my opinion. And okay. after reading some of the feedback we got on it as well, uh, I'm sure we'll get to it. But the, the really cool thing here is just the way it opens. It opens right. with Todd lighting a cigarette, which could not right. be more fitting for this episode. I mean, the, the rice and cigarette factors in. Uh, Jesse spreading gasoline around Walt's house at the end of the episode is another nice touch with that opening with the lighter uh it, it, it's a little bit better yeah and um you know, we we have a lot of really good takes on that and the feedback that i'm going to kind of wait till we get to there to talk about it okay because none of them were ours we were pretty dismissive of the scene it, i certainly was yeah uh, and so i was we... kind of it it, it it put me in that weird kind of like kind of anxious and impatient mode very similar to the way the flash forward hit me in season five point one you know i'm like Mm -hmm. where the hell is this it's coming out of nowhere i don't you know what the hell i don't get it and that paid off handsomely yeah uh, and continues to pay off so i'm on i'm going to i learned my lesson i'm going to give vince a little slack okay fair enough uh next scene we go back right to where we left uh hank and jesse uh in the interrogation room and hank tries to talk jesse into talking to him but he refuses and then Saul shows up, he scares away all the cops, and he then asks Jesse what's going on with him. What did you think of the Marilyn Manson music video camera effect at the beginning? I liked it. I liked it a lot. You did? Yeah. Yeah, it showed Jesse's hmm. mental state pretty well, I thought. Time is just, d- is just going by him without him noticing. 
Yeah, it's uh, that's definitely what the effect conveyed. I felt personally, it looked a little, a little cheesy and low rent. Hmm. Okay. It's it's not quite up to snuff. It's kind of like sometimes when Breaking Bad does these really funny camera tricks, you can tell that they've just like zip tied, uh, you know, one of those high def uh, cameras. Yeah, like a GoPro to the side of a gas can, for example. Yeah, or a kid's motorbike. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like uh, you can tell that the film quality is not up to snuff, but the shot's so cool you forgive it. I oh. felt like, you know, this was like a $5 photo, sh- uh, you know, Final Cut Pro filter that they threw on there, and it just – I liked the if I liked the idea of the effect. I just didn't think it was executed very well. Okay, fair enough. That works. Um, what do you think when – Hank said to Jesse that he could make this all go away. I think that's probably true. Uh, oh, think. well, okay. So, yes, in one sense he can. He could probably make a deal to make the legal part of it go away. He could not make all of this go away for Jesse, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. The psychic trauma, no. Yes. He, <laughs> uh, outside of the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind uh, outfit, I don't think there's a cure for that. <laughs> I was actually surprised yeah. at how hopeful – uh, Jesse fe- felt about the Alaska option towards the end of the episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. I felt like Alaska was probably a good place for Jesse to go. Right. He can but get it, away from everything. It also kind of contextualizes the hate uh, Jesse has for Mr. Walt versus the hate he has for Hank and the police institution. Do you think that's – do you think Jesse's got a little bit of the uh, Salamanca uh, family hatred of uh, – cops in him or is this localized to the guy who beat his ass uh hospitalized him i mean well i'm gonna say yeah he's got a little bit of that in him uh and yes he also is pissed that hank beat him up Uh, i mean he mentions that so obviously that's still on his mind uh but i think we'll really have to wait until jesse can't speak anymore to find out then he he can (laughs) write fuck you on a paper (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I will say that um, Hank was really, really excellent, uh, much better, much more composed than he tried against Skyler. And yeah. honestly, I thought he came fairly close to cracking Jesse. Yeah, uh, I think at the end there was something there that made Jesse kind of want to speak to him, but it, their history, he's not going to do that, you know? Right. It's just too right. much to overcome. Right. And it's huh. it's kind of interesting, you know, I, I, you wonder why with Jesse's monologue later in the episode, why wouldn't he inform on Mr. White, that asshole Mr. White? <laughs> well, I think you're right. I think it's uh, the relationship that he and Hank have. And also, mm-hmm. you know, he's just – he's the DEA. He doesn't want to talk to the DEA. Right. Okay. Uh, what do you think of Saul swooping in and saving the day? Oh man, I love it. Every scene with Saul is golden. Uh, yeah. I can't think of a bad keep, scene with Saul, honestly. Keep your left up there, Rocky, as he's <laughs> shining Hank out the door. Yeah, and then we, uh, at the very end, good. he's like, "So you can understand then my complete lack of chill." Just yes, hilarious. Yes. Uh, it, Again, yeah, it really shows that this guy's a comedian, you know. I like the fact that we've had, although that's damning him with faint praise because, man, he is he is banging it out of the park at the end of this episode. And uh, there, there's an interesting, I heard a, a Aaron Paul relating a story about like when they're filming the scene, like this is 
one of the first like real acting jobs he's had to do, you know, it's physical and you kind of put yourself in a moment and he's like, y'all panting and he's like, kind of like, God, how do you guys do this day in and day out? Um, yeah. but he, he rose to the occasion and I, I'm amazed cause I was just sitting there studying Aaron Paul's performance and like, he's playing this so cool with Hank and he does this like subtle things where, you know, and he's like, you know, aren't you going to beat it out of me and he does this like subtle like raise of his eyebrows and i'm like i saw same that. thing when i was watching anna gun and uh, uh the rest of them uh, around the, the 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 mexican dinner the taqueria table uh-huh. i'm just like it's such a craft to everyone knows what those emotions feel like you know everyone knows what it's like to be at an uncomfortable family dinner but if you put a camera at someone and said uh do all those things that symbolized other people, all the emotional cues and just the, like the little things, like how the fuck do they do that? How many takes does it take I, to put I the little know. eyebrow lift in? For example, that's the one that really blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I noticed that too. And I was equally blown away by that. Um, I mean, usually we're talking about his jaws, of expansion <laughs> and his veins of rage, but just, he's got the little subtle stuff too. He does. He does. It's, it's a skill man. And he's good at it. They're all good at it. Yes, indeed. Impressive. Uh, so then we go to uh, Walt. We get a, we he's on the phone with Saul, and he's telling him to bail Jesse out of jail. And then mm-hmm. Walt Junior shows up at the house, and Walt's scrambling to cover his eye with some makeup so he doesn't see his injury. And uh, then Junior says he's going over to Marie's house because he gets a phone call from her. Uh, and Walt runs out to stop him, and then he sits Junior down and he tells him, "My cancer is back." Mm-hmm. In one of there's a lot of disgusting things that Walt has done, but this one really struck me, and I think it's because of this pretense he has that he's doing this all for his family. And now right. he sits his son down, who is really one of the very few innocent bystanders in this entire thing. I mean, right. he, Hank, and Marie are about it. Right. Uh, and he sits him down, and he lies to him. Actually, no, no, I'm I'm wrong there. He doesn't lie to him. That's the thing that's that makes the scene so great is he is manipulating him with the truth. That's that to me is even more impressive than just telling a bald faced lie. It's like I said uh, about Don during our Mad Men coverage, he's killing him, killing him softly with the truth. Um, (laughs) using the emotion, the true emotion and the true facts to completely bamboozle him. And, you know, it's like one of those things where if you're in a situation where, um, you know, you, you're in a situation where you're trying to save your family, but the only way you can do that is to tell brutal, ongoing, ongoing, soul-crushing lies. I mean, that should bring uh-huh. you up short. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess in a weird alternate universe, you could see him as protecting Walt. You know that that if he can just play out this cancer thing, die, and leave him all this money, then Walt Jr. never has to know. You know, he's saving him from the knowledge that his dad's such a shitbird. But yeah, is but that at the same really time helping we know, Walt Junior? I yeah, I don't know that it's helping him in the long run. I mean, what if he then finds he out for ten Walt years Jun- down the road that his entire life was a lie? I don't know. I guess he wakes up in a pod full of goo. But uh, <laughs> also, is is Walt? The other thing is you got to ask yourself: Is Walt really doing it for Walt Junior? Is he doing it for his own vanity? You know, kids uh, survive. Yeah. Kids survive all kinds of horrible realizations about themselves and their family. 
Um, but you know, I feel like you owe your children to be you know, honest and, and fairly transparent with them. As I say, also Justin uh, emailed us and, and reminded us that Walt putting on that concealer is a callback because this thing has been this this season's chock full of callbacks. It's a callback to first season when Jesse used a concealer after Tuco beat his eye in. Yeah. And almost the exact same. I mean, the the shot of them in the mirror and everything was almost identical. So that was a nice little fun, not a fun callback, but interesting one. Yeah, cool. Uh, I was listening to the Insider podcast this morning, um, and they were talking about this scene uh, when they got to it. And they said that there was a cut they made to a scene that they had filmed where Walt's doctor told them that his scans were clean and he didn't have cancer. The, and this right. scene actually got to the the editing bay. Like, they had to edit it down and everything, all the music added, and they decided to cut it because mm-hmm. that angle wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So I'm that, to me, is kind of weird that you could go in a completely opposite direction just by cutting out one scene. I mean, is that what they did, or did they then realize, oh, we need to shoot some more stuff? Uh, I don't know. Go back I mean, to edit. We've we've seen that in um, you know when we we've talked to uh, ta- ta- Taylor Elmore in Justified how mm-hmm. you know again these last minute reshoots that completely can can significantly alter the the course of the the season. I was kind of puzzled that too because that seems like a very extreme kind of left turn. Um, yeah. and I was I was confused. Were they actually saying that? Um, the Walt was going to lie to Walt Jr. there, or that that was the actual physical reality of the series, that he was cancer-free until that moment, because that calls into question a lot of things in the, pre- in the um, you know, the flash forward and all that. What was your take on that? Uh, my take is that they decided not to go with the Walt doesn't have cancer angle at all. Like, I think... They decided there and then that Walt does have cancer, and that's I think that's what confusing. we're supposed to think. It's super confusing to me because I felt very strongly that his reaction to his cancer scan was very uh, much. His performance was pointing towards the fact that his cancer re- returned. I mean, obviously they yeah. played it ambiguous enough, but that means that they they have to do a lot of editing and reshoots in the first two episodes as well. Yeah, it's very possible. I, I don't I, know I how don't, it all played out, but you yeah, can listen I, to I it yourself on the Insider cast and see what you think. It seems like that would have to be doing a lot of backtracking. So I, I don't know what to make of what he said there, honestly. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't either, so let's move on. Uh, Hank gets home, and he tells Marie that he didn't actually tell the DEA about Walt, and she is very angry, very angry about that. Uh, also, we found out that uh, Hank's I, not a— not aware of Marie's little machinations and plays for Walt Jr. there, or Flynn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why would Walt be? Why would Jr. be with me? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Marie is uh, working behind the scenes. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how Hank would feel about that if he did know. He'd probably be pretty upset. I mean, yes. This is a woman who tried to kidnap a baby just one episode ago. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, what was her plan? Do you think she was just going to try to keep him there indefinitely against his will? I mean, if she told him the <laughs> truth, he's going to be like, fuck you, Aunt Marie, and like go back and talk to his dad. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's 
I don't know what her thinking was, but then again, I don't know what she was thinking when she grabbed that baby either. So what are you going to do? Uh, Walt then sits down in a very short scene to make a video with Skylar. She is operating the camera. And this is Walt's confession tape. And uh, probably a good time to play the name game, I think. Um, okay. Obviously, Walt's confession is part of the confession's title. Uh, what other confessions can you think of? Um, I actually have uh, listener feedback that did a pretty good job of uh, oh. uh, listing all of it. Molly said um, that she had uh, Todd confessing to his uncle about the train heist. Okay, uh, that's H- a Hank- sort of confession. Hank confessing to Marie that he didn't tell the DEA about Walter yet. Yeah. Walt confessing to Junior about his cancer. Mm-hmm. The real confession that we're about to talk about. Marie confessing that she took the money from Walt and Skyler, and Saul confessing that Huel stole the rice and cigarette. That is a wow. That is a sextuple name game, <laughs> which, which I think we had a hextuple name game last week. So we're he he's really pulled out all the stops, all the wheels within wheels in the season. Definitely. Uh, okay, so then Walt and Skyler are waiting at a restaurant for Hank and Marie to show up. When they do, they they try to convince them to just leave the children out of it. They don't need to know anything about it. I'll be dead eventually, and we can all move on. Hank and Marie are having none of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Marie is having so little of it that she tells him to just go kill himself. Right. Which I was kind of shocked by, honestly. But uh, anyway, before leaving, Walt slips a disc to Hank, which we will talk about shortly. A lot of people on our, my Facebook thread were saying, what if what if Hank was wearing a wire? Uh, did the white say enough to incriminate them? Huh. I actually think it's the reverse. When, when I was rewatching these scenes, I was thinking, my God, so many things that Hank and Marie are saying is further implicating, implicating them. Like, it's very clear that Hank is coming across as a threat. And you can't get out this easy. And Marie was clearly defensive about an, a recent, ab, you know, uh, tr- attempt to abduct Walt Jr. And so if Hank was, and I, I probably think that Hank, uh, you know, if we had the behind the scenes, he probably did take his recorder to that table. Why in the hell wouldn't he? He should. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, other, you know, the other thing to think and, about is spin that around. What if Walt's wearing a wire? And he's recording it to make another kind of tape, an audio tape, later. Right. To to display. It's like, this is what his reaction was when I told him about my confession. And he plays, you're not going to get out this easy. You know, I'm going to kick your door down and uh, all this other stuff. So, yeah, I mean, what again, if you have those thoughts, rewatch the scene and think, what did he really have? Pretty much jack shit. And anything he did have was counterbalanced by all the stuff that seemed to further implicate him in light of this confession. Yeah, and that's actually a pretty good point because there, there's a moment there where Skylar speaks up a little bit. Uh, and she's talking more to Marie than Hank. But she says some things that could be taken as incriminating. And Walt kind of tells her, just hold on. Just don't don't say anything yet. Um, because I feel like Walt is very conscious of conscious of that fact. I'm not going to say anything because he, he makes it a point to say, if that day ever comes when you knock down my door, uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's not admitting to anything. I think Skylar was borderline there. 
So. Well, see, I, I actually thought that that might have been something that worked out together because, again, if you watch that with the with trying to hear things that sound incriminating from Hank and Marie, she was basically you know telling him to, to to lay off the kid, and this is all in the past. We just want to get behind it, very much like what you would expect to. I mean, they sounded like two desperate, scared people trying to get away from a bully. Yeah, and someone that's yeah. wanting, you know, and and I, I just I, yeah, I'm amazed, and it, it like I said, it just you know he's not going to get get off that easy. It's very threatening from that angle. Yeah, I, and I love that aspect of this scene. I mean, Hank at that table looks. He he hates Walt. He absolutely hates Walt in those scenes. And it comes across so well through Dean Norris's acting. He's boring laser holes through Walt's... I mean, he is locked. Like, they didn't give a shit about tableside guacamole. He just wanted to focus all of his (laughs) green hate lasers on Walt the whole time. Like, did he... Did he break the only? In fact, I think the only time he broke his gaze is to fire some beams at Skyler when he's like, and that goes yes. for you too if you stick with him. So it's like, I think that's the only time he broke, like he's having a one man staring competition with Walt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the other thing I thought was really interesting is when, uh, I forget what Walt says to prompt this, but there's a line that Hank delivers. He says, you can step up, you can be a man, and admit what you've done. And in that moment, I was thinking Godfather, where where he grabs a dude and he says, you can act like a man. Right, like, right. That's one of the lines that really stood out in Godfather, and that reminded me totally of that. Sure, sure. Uh, so anyway, let's let's move on. Uh, when they get home, Hank and Marie watch the, the confession and afterward, Hank questions Marie about the medical bills. Wow, there's so much in this scene, man. Um, you want me to just run down a list of kind of the points that Walt makes during this video, like the connections that he's making sure. for uh, the police? All right, so there's a ride-along that, that he talks about after his cancer diagnosis um, and the fact that he had no way to pay for his treatment when he got cancer. Well, what's brilliant so about that point is that uh, that's probably shit Hank has forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because cause Walt's got the complete information and can sh- and can hammer it out. And a lot of this stuff, like the ride-along detail about the medical procedures detail, that's stuff that Hank didn't even fucking know was connected to him. Yeah, yeah. And now he's got to go back and piece the last year of his life together, trying to figure out what yeah, was yep. evidence and what wasn't. Yeah, it's crazy. Yep. Uh, so it comes out that he paid for Hank's medical bills, which Hank didn't know again. Um, there's the hit on Gus with the bomb uh, and how he says, you know, he pressured him into making the bomb for him and all this stuff. Uh, there's the fact right. that he kept his kids for three months, which Walt spins as collateral, like holding his yeah. kids hostage. It's insane. Right. Uh, and then there's the injury to his eye, which is actually true because Hank did yep. knock him up. Uh, knock him one, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that just slight twists on <laughs> what actually happened make it totally seem like Hank is in the wrong here. And even all the stuff he did confess to is true, like him building the bomb, you know, he used that to basically sell the authenticity of the moment. Yeah. It, and, it really was brilliant. Yeah. And, and, and Walter White did not start off as a very good actor. 
but this mm-hmm. scene completely shows that his skills in that regard are, you know, well, the, I mean, they're where he needs them to be. <laughs> when, uh, when he says, I guess you'd call it a, a hit, <laughs> I, I, I laughed for like a minute. I was just laughing yeah. the rest of the scene because that is so ridiculous. I guess you'd call it a hit. I don't know. And, and sure I had this these two warring reactions. Number one, this grudging admiration um, for for both Vince Gilligan and Walter White, the character, to come up with this. Yeah. How brilliant and and how easily it would dis, disarm Hank. Um, and also disgust that this guy was taking a heroic character and destroying him. And, yeah. and he doesn't even know how bad Hank, because now the fact that Hank has waited this whole time is just more grist for the mill. Absolutely. It's, 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 in, it's insanely brilliant. It's awesome. I mean, I talked in the instant cast, but I don't know not everybody listens to both. Um, you know, I just thought it was a really cool camera technique, how they kept on um, zooming in on the image of, of of Walter White. And it's like getting pixelated and distorted, which Steppenwall had the angle that that's kind of like, you know, shows how artificial he is. And But I also thought it was just a really interesting meta commentary that, you know, we're watching a man videotape, a man pretending to be another man being videotaped. By a man, at being a man pretending to be another man, while we're watching it on TV, <laughs> while Hank and Marie are watching it on TV, it's like uh-huh. cra- it, it, it's it's like almost broke the fourth wall, you know. It sure. felt yeah. very voyeuristic us watching Hank and Marie sitting there and their posture and and their expressions, you know, because they yeah. just think about that ride home from the taqueria. They got that disc in their hand, and they're like, oh, my fucking God, this has got to be it. This has got to be it. And then when they finally watch it, what they must have felt and how good they were at expressing uh, all those things. Yeah, I imagine them driving home. Uh, Hank probably tried to throw it in his CD player in his car. That's what I'm guessing. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, damn, it's a DVD. we got to wait till we get home. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the, the other thing that happens in this scene that uh, – it can tend to get overlooked because of the tape is the fact that he finds out that Marie gave, uh, took all that money for his medical bills. And that, as Hank says, is the last nail. I, that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. That there is now a money trail, a physical money trail from him to Walt with this video. That's it. It's over. Oh yeah. And so, the, Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask you, what do you do if you're Hank in this situation? Now he, if he goes to the DEA with this, this is bad news. I don't think they're, like I said, I I don't, I don't see any way out. I mean, I'm, uh, suicide's on the table. Uh, (laughs) maybe he would, maybe he's going to go, I mean, one play would be to go to Walton and be like, okay, I'm willing to blow us both up. But that would drag your name through the mud, and it would drag my name through the mud, and ruin both of our families. But give him like the suicide option. You give me the original copy of this fucking thing, and you kill yourself right now. I'll make sure that your kids and your wife get stay clear of this stuff. We'll look after them. I mean, kind of like you know the it's it's kind of like the uh, uh, 
uh, well, I forget the guy's name, the Pintagelos uh, offer that the, the guy in The Godfather 2 got, where it's like, hey, kill yourself and we'll look after your family and all that. I mean, I don't know, because I, I kind of think Hank is willing like as much as he hates Walt and his, his his sense of justice and the way he fights these monsters, I kind of think he might be willing to blow himself up to take out Walt with him. Yeah, you think he's just in such a corner that he can't get out of it clean, so might as well take the guy down too. Yeah, I mean, what's the alternative is to let him get away scot-free. Is that something that Hank can do? I don't know. I mean, the other alternative is to hope that there's a solution for this and to let it play out as and long as longer... necessary to try to find it. But there is a countdown, right? The cancer a is countdown. a countdown. Not only that, but every every minute he waits and his behavior at the DEA gets weirder and weirder, yeah. the more this the, the, the noose tightens around his neck. Yeah, where, like the the worst case scenario is if he goes to the DEA and the DEA is just like completely swallows Walt's story, a hook, line, and sinker. And Walt gets off <laughs> scot free and Hank rots oh. in prison. I mean, oh, he's got God. a. He's, 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 so he, there's a clock on this. I don't think can, Walt's cancer is the one that's ticking on it. He's, he's got a limited amount of time to find a way out of this. He does. Now, if he were to go, I like that you mentioned how weird he's acting at work because that's a huge factor not only is that going to you know shorten the amount of time that he's going to be working with the dea he's probably going to get fired for just being uh, a general jack off at this point but right. also this makes him look even more suspicious Certainly. the fact that he's not doing his job now he's worried about this ransom thing if the ransom thing ever comes or i'm sorry the confession if the confession ever comes out now they've got, oh, well, you were acting really weird for the past few months, so must be something up there. Right. Ah, well, a lot of people news. wondered, like, well, why is a medical bill so, such a smoking gun? Because if anything, it it's, doesn't make sense because if Hank is supposed to be this drug kingpin, wouldn't he have the money to pay for it himself? What do you think about that? Hmm. Interesting. To me, it seems obvious that, that that's he, like, he would— yeah, I'm so if that that serves to prove that he is a drug kingpin, like how does that get him off the hook? Well, the fact that I mean, I guess there's like saying, well, if he's making all that money, why why would he force Walt to pay for it? My thought is that, you know, if he's a DEA agent, he would want those money trails far far away from him. Hmm. So like, okay. and that's that's just a rationale I can think up in 5 minutes. So you know, I think it's significant that it does look like, you know, why would why would Hank pay for it other or why would Walt pay for it otherwise unless they were somehow yeah. connected and and he that, felt you know, point. yeah right. So again, it, it, at least it it counts reasonable doubt and it shows a it connects a large cash purchase right to Hank and something that's going to be easily investigated and just the fact that it looks shady is probably enough. Yeah, uh, I'd actually like to hear from the listeners on that because I'm sure they're they're all screaming at us like, "Here's exactly why." Uh, so well, I, like I said, I, on that. I I think it's I don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying a lot of people did, and I I just I, I didn't understand quite why they wouldn't think that that would still, you know, look bad. Like, yeah, maybe it's a yeah. question, maybe some asked, but it seems like there's a lot of reasonable answers for it. All right, uh, let's move on to 
uh, Saul meeting Jesse, or Saul and Jesse uh, meeting Walt out in the desert. Uh, this is another phenomenal scene where Walt is trying to talk Jesse into going somewhere, not Belize this time. Uh, but he wants him out. He wants him gone. (laughs) Maybe. Who knows? Uh, Jesse certainly thinks that he might be going to Belize if he doesn't choose another destination. Uh, And he he calls him on it. I'm so happy to see. This is what I've been waiting for for seasons. Yes. And and this is why Breaking Bad is a superior show, because it has characters basically say the things that we as an audience are thinking. Yeah. You know, um... And I liked I liked everything about this scene. I liked the fact that they opened it up with the Drew Sharp spider. I mean, not obviously the Drew Sharp spider, but the tarantula mm-hmm. crawling across the desert floor, which there's so many layers of meaning you could put on that. Number one, it's kind of indicative of uh, the scene we just saw of Walt putting Hank in a glass jar where he can't he can't get away. He's trapped. Uh, yeah. You know, it also reminds us of the stakes with Jesse that, you know, that the that the, the, the kid Drew Sharp was killed. Um, mm-hmm. It also, you know, Jesse's kind of a kid himself and it's out in the desert and we see this spider. And, you know, I really feared for Jesse's life in this scene because yeah. I and I feared for Saul's life. My stomach was kind of in a knot from the previous scene. and I'm like, oh, shit. If Jesse doesn't take this offer, Walt's going to kill him and maybe even Saul. Yeah, and it makes me wonder why Saul sticks with Walt after all the shit he's seen. I mean, maybe he's just afraid to cut off this relationship they've got uh, in fear that Walt will, you know, exterminate him, send him to Belize. But I, like, Saul knows how dangerous of a guy this is now, right? Mm hmm. So what? Well, why? Why the money? Is that well? Is that Saul's I, I, I only think, thing. Okay, so so you've seen this guy kill ten people in prison in the space of two minutes. Um, do you think he knows about the confession? I mean, you reach and he's blown up Gus Fring with a homemade bomb in a nursing home. You reach a point where, let's say that he took that little revolver out to the desert and just shot Walt in the face and said, "You know, kid, let's get out of here. Let's both go to Alaska." Uh huh. What if Walt has some kind of dead man switch type, you know, post office box that on his death is, you know, the key is mailed to the DEA and it's got all this evidence that he's been where I mean, this is the kind of diabolical genius where like he can reach out from beyond the grave. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I feel like that almost everyone involved is the same reason why, you know, Skyler couldn't quite bring herself. She just doesn't know what this man's capable of. Yeah. No. Okay. That is a very and good he, reason. And he loves money. He loves money. And Walt is he a never-ending spigot of it. So where is he going to buy his purple suits without money? I'm sure That's they're true. custom tailored, right? Oh, I, I don't. I don't know. They look a little, a little <laughs> off the rack to me. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Buy one, get uh, one free at the S and K Men's Warehouse or whatever. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that that struck me about this scene is. Coming off of the scene where he successfully manipulates his son, is that Jesse actually knows this man better than his own son does. That yep. that should be also a disturbing part of this scene, I think. Mm-hmm. And this uh, is a, right. it's interesting. This is the other. This is a second man in his life comes in and offers him a clean slate, and he basically says, you know, kind of fuck you to both of them. 
Also, why did Jesse break down and cry at the end? Let's talk about that a little bit. Walt had a boner. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it? Do you think I'm going to give you a couple of uh, possibilities? Is it because uh-huh. Jesse's like the the abused uh, mate, partner, husband, wife in a relationship, and he's realizing that Walt is uh, uh, his abuser is roping him in for one last time and he's powerless to stop it that he can feel himself want you know wanting to do it okay i like that do you feel like was there an option too no there's three options do you feel like it's because he basically leveled with walt and said look just tell me you don't give a shit about me just ask me for a fucking favor just you know kind of level with me and be a man and the fact that Walt refusing to do that and giving him this awkward Voldemort-esque Harry Potter hug uh, was basically showing that he has no respect for him at all. Like, it's even worse than Jesse thought. That's what I'm going with. I actually think that that's fairly right on. Um, Jesse thought at some point, probably not recently, that the relationship was one way and it was another. Ah, and then third, do you think that he actually, on a uh, a biological level, needed that kind of hug or fatherly gesture from Walt because that's kind of their fucked up relationship? And that at some level, as much as he hates himself for it, he craved it. Or do you think it's a combination of all three? It's probably a combination of all three. And there's probably something else thrown in there, too, that Villigan's just holding up his sleeve for later on. Uh, Walt popping a boner was a strong, strong contender for that. I'll go with that. That would be enough enough. to make a grown man cry. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's move on. We are spending a lot of time on these scenes. We still have plenty of good ones to go. Uh, We go back to the car wash and Walt asks Skylar to take over the register and he can tell that she's worried about Hank. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's sitting there in her, uh, actually it's not a darkened office. She's sitting in the window and, Hank or Walt's kind of in the darkened doorway. He's and completely dark. He looks like he's eclipsed the only light source in that fucking room. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I mean, he that's... tries to comfort her and tell her, "Look, it worked." But I think that just makes it worse for her, honestly. Right. And it's also uh, I like the symbolism of Walt entirely shrouded in darkness, and Skyler when she looks to him, it's like a perfect hemisphere down her face. She's half light, half dark. Yeah, and she's actually looking toward the light. You know, she yes. wants to do what's right here, and it's tearing her up that they've got to do this to Hank and Marie. But at the same time, she's not willing to say, no, I'm not going to continue this bullshit. Right on. So that's the half dark there. Uh, then we go over to Hank in his office, and Gomi comes in and asks him uh, why he's got his men telling Jesse. And Hank's not willing to explain it to him, so he tells Gomi, just take him off. And then he leaves the office, canceling an appointment on the way out. Uh, A lot of speculation on where Hank is going here. Mm -hmm. I think I have the answer, and I think it connects with the end of this episode. Okay, shoot. Should we just write? Okay, all right, I'll do it right now. I think that Hank is going to tell Jesse himself, and that the end of this episode... Right after it, we're going to see, when we come back next week, Hank and Walt showing up at the same time at that house. 
Well, I'm giving you full credit for that shit because that uh, that was a a listener had a similar take and I thought it was brilliant and I'm going to read it because oh. there's some small differences. I had no Sorry. idea. I was thinking, <laughs> is he going to kill? Is he going to commit suicide? Tailing, resuming the Jesse tale again. Uh, hats off to you. That seems obvious in hindsight. Uh, We've seen him I, do it before, right? On his yeah, own. I, I, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't cowboy up and do that and and. Um, you know, whether he, they get there at the same time or Hank comes a little bit early or Walt comes a little bit early and he catches them in the middle of the act, it's, it's going to be pretty intense. Yeah, throw in, I think so. Throw in a Walt Jr. possibility in the mix, and then it gets <laughs> oh. totally crazy. Yeah, man. Oh, and Carol? What if the oranges come out? <laughs> <laughs> well, then someone's going to die. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> if the oranges fly, someone's going to die. All right, uh, next scene, Saul calls the disappearer for Jesse, and he sends him on his way, but not before Huel lifts Jesse's weed, a very important thing that uh, you must take into account for the next scene. Right there on camera, too. First thing I did when I got done the episode is I rewound and watched, and uh, it was kind of a little implied in the other episode where he lifts the cigarettes because he just kind of frisked them, and then he put his hand in his pocket. But here we actually saw what a smooth motherfucker uh, meat-eating man yeah. is. Yeah, I I think – I mean, okay. No, it's obvious later exactly what happens because uh, Saul admits to it. So Those, those, those all-beef uh, Franks are dexterous. <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah. It's like I don't know how he does it. It'd be like wearing a catcher's mitt, trying nah. to fish through a man's pockets with hands like that. Speaking of hands, Saul in this scene is holding out his hands – for the weed. And all uh-huh. I could think of was the fucking universal symbol for keys, scumbag. <laughs> that's the universal symbol that I want to bogart your weed, scumbag. No, that's why Jesse didn't hand over the weed. He thought he wanted his keys. I'm like, I don't <laughs> have any keys to give you. Right, right. No. I didn't even uh, have a cell phone. The cops took it all, man. What the hell? Yeah, but no fear. Uh, Saul has a Hello Kitty phone for him. <laughs> so apparently that's just one of his go-to burners. Yep. Uh, but I mean, that, is that the only funny thing that happened in the whole fucking episode? Like this, this episode has, has had very, I mean, most of them had at least an extended scene that's kind of broad comedy. This was dark and tense as hell, except for that one little Hello Kitty reference, which didn't really do the job. No, no. Uh, I think you're right about that. I don't remember. Were you surprised that Jesse, uh, you know, so so Jesse wants to go to Alaska. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised that he didn't pick New Zealand? Because that's where him and Jane wanted to jet off to. It's where Lord of the Rings was made, yo. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't have been bad. Maybe too many bad memories go along with that. I don't know. Right. Uh, I felt like Alaska is just remote enough for Jesse. You know, it's way out there. It's good enough for Wolverine. It's good enough for Jesse. <laughs> Someone also mentioned that that might be a possible callback to uh, last season where him and Walt are cooking in the uh, – uh, they're doing the cook inside the home with the Vominos Pest steel, and they're watching Ice Road Truckers. <laughs> okay. I don't remember so them like, watching that, but – So right. Jesse's, Jesse's an Ice Road Truckers fan. He's like, Alaska looks pretty remote, and I could get, you know, <laughs> pull my wanderer routine off there. Uh-huh. All right, let's move on to the scene, uh, which is, I think, the scene to end all scenes here. While waiting for the disappearer to show up, Jesse notices that his weed is missing, and he connects all the dots. All of them are now connected. Uh, 
this blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. I did not see this coming whatsoever. Uh, there, there are a lot of people debating this scene on the internet, and I think they're all insane. I think it's so... This makes so much sense in hindsight that uh, I don't see how anybody could not get a what happened here and b why it happened and how it happened. Well, it took me a moment, and I even went on Facebook during the commercial and be like, "Okay, here's what I think happened. Can someone like kind of walk me through?" Um, but to Vince's credit, he gives us a lot of credit where. You know, there wasn't like a voiceover of Jesse's head. There's someone. There's an interesting comic uh, on Reddit today where they're like, "If Breaking Bad was uh, was Dexter," <laughs> and uh, they showed like Jesse with an internal monologue saying, "Heel took my weed. Does that mean that Saul took his weed?" <laughs> oh, and then they had the ghost. And then they had the ghost of Gale appear next to him and say, <laughs> "Walt's been manipulating you all along, Jesse. You didn't want to kill me, and you did. How does that make you feel?" And then it shows him wow. back at his house, Google searching, um, <laughs> like plot points, and like I, I have to be sure. I knew, and I'm like, I really respect Vince the Gil- the the, the Villigan. Uh, the Thrilligan, as uh, one of the commentators has, has uh, coined him, I really respect him from having the faith in his audience that maybe you're not going to get on the first few, maybe you're not going to get in the second, maybe you're going to you know listen to a po- you have to listen to a podcast or read an article, but the pieces are there. I'm going to trust you to put them together with just Aaron Paul's. Um, I'm going to trust Aaron Paul's acting. I'm going to trust Dave Porter's music, and I'm going to trust the editing work and my director to convey all this shit wordlessly. Yeah, and I'm going to trust the history of the show. There, yes, all, all of these pieces, like you said, come together in this scene. Um, I just want to run down the pieces that come together here because okay. there's one really just huge one that a lot of people overlook and forget about. Let's just talk that because that's the smoking gun right there. Okay, let's do that. So aside from all the other stuff that connects it that we see in this scene, uh, in this episode, think back to episode uh, 12 of last season. Uh, sorry, season four. I need to be more specific on that. Uh, called End Times. There's a scene where Jesse confronts Walt, holds a gun to his face, damn near shoots him over Brock's poisoning. Right. Because he has pieced together exactly what happened. Exactly. I had it. I had the cigarette with the rice in, in my back this morning. The last time I saw Brock was last night. And this morning, I switched the cigarette into a new pack. There's no way Brock took it himself. Jesse. You're not thinking clearly. Listen, you, you said it yourself, that you had it this morning. Then when could I have possibly gotten it? You, you had Saul do it. What? Yeah. Yeah, I went to his office. He called me and just had to see me today. His big man mountain bodyguard patted me down. That's when he must have stole it off of me, right? That's the plan. Was that the plan? So the idea that... Now, after all this manipulation from Walt, this obvious stuff, we see not only that that he's willing to kill associates like Mike, uh, but we see that he has no trouble even killing a kid. He he was right. not bothered by Drew Sharp. So Jesse knows all this. Jesse understands Walt better now. Mm-hmm. So when all these pieces come together in this scene, he thinks back to that. And he's like, and he's f- that is what happened. And like you said, he's fresh off another manipulation 
Yeah. So it all kind of like came together. And still, it's not like he just ran off half-cocked to confront Mr. Walt. He he took it and, and verified it was Saul. Good and point, yeah. I felt like they that was Villigan's a little bit of hedge where it's like, okay, well, if they don't remember, I'm going to have him kind of run this down in front of uh, of Saul and like a super tense scene where we got Aaron Paul in full, you know, deep vein thrombosis mode. Uh, where, as you, I think you said in the instant take, that every part of his man's face was red. His, the whites of his <laughs> eyes were red. His teeth were red. Um, yeah. Yeah, it 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 was intense. It yeah, was and intense. then Saul admits it in that scene, right? He says, yeah, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have done it if I'd known this was going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I did it. <laughs> Which that's true as well, because didn't didn't wasn't Saul was none too happy about the way Walt played him in that. You know, we, we yeah. had a, a conversation between them where I think that even was the one where he tried to get out, and Walt's like, "It's over when I say it's over," kind of that business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we've talked about that scene. Let's move on to Walt showing up at the car wash to get his gun uh, out of the Coke machine. Uh, that is one frosty gun, man. I don't, is that even going to fire? How does ice affect a gun? I don't even know. Well, so Seppenwall linked to a video showing that a gun can indeed fire if it's frozen. Okay, um, cool. Obviously, you know, Russian soldiers have been firing guns in Siberian, Siberia for, for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, I don't know, honestly, what I, – I do know that you if you, like – because there was a Mythbusters episode where they used, I think, liquid nitrogen – to cool an explosive and delay the reaction t- uh, time. Hmm. Um, but I don't know that, you know, refrigerated. Because the other thing is, why the fuck was that frozen? Like, are every can in in the Walt's Coke machine <laughs> frozen blocks of ice? Like, they're just all ruptured and shit in there? I felt so like that- it was sitting right on the compressor or whatever that, that uh, it's really cold. And that area is kind of insulated a little bit. Maybe, but I'm pretty sure that if you freeze, like if it's so, so let's say that that's 10 degrees. If it's fro- if it freezes and warms up to room temperature, because it's you know he's going to put it in his coat and then go to his house. Uh-huh. Um, I, I feel like that. Yeah, I don't know. But the thing is, is I don't know what Villigan doesn't know, because I've kind of trusted him to get the science right on shit. And then speaking of MythBusters, they did the Breaking Bad uh, episode before the season started, and it turns out. A lot of the shit that they say and do on the show are gross exaggerations, yeah. like vis-a-vis yeah. acid dissolving bodies, vis-a-vis uh, 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 mercury, uh, fulminated mercury and how explosive it really is. They kind of yeah. play a little fast and loose with that. So will Vince have uh, Walt pull the trigger and not fire? Maybe. Maybe. It's certainly possible. I, we won't know. Yeah. I Like – it's TV, right? So they they certainly made a big deal of that gun being fucking frozen. They did, they did. Like hunks of ice were falling out of off of it as as he was checking. Yep. So, all right. So then Jesse shows up at Walt's house in the final scene. He busts down the door, uh, crashes over his lighting in his driveway, and ruins his carpet with gasoline. <laughs> I think that's the extent of his plan. Just fuck your carpet. Yeah. I'm done with this shit. Yeah, your eyes are going to burn every time you walk in this house, yo. <laughs> yeah, Mr. your couch White. too. <laughs> uh, fuck Holly's baby carrier. <laughs> How much fun must that scene have been to film? Like he's at the very end, he's literally pouring probably water or something right onto the camera. 
with an in, with an insane look on his face. Yeah, yeah. Like it must be fun to just cut fucking bust out and act like a lunatic like that. Oh, for and, sure. And having all the weird, the like the you know the gas cam can or the gas can cam, uh-huh. um, the trademark you know visual effects of of uh, Breaking Bad. I, it looks like a lot of fun, and that's what they've all said that that even though this is a very tense emotional set, that these people all have lots of fun. They have very good sense of humor. So it's um, you almost like think that after that scene. Like the yell cut, they all just burst, bust out laughing. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Like, refill the gas can, reset, go again. All right, man, that's it. That's the end of the episode. Whew. That was a hell of an episode. It was. It was one still of my favorites. Your, still sticking with your bullshit 9.5? I don't know. After thinking about it, that first scene isn't so bad, and that's really the only reason I gave it that. So I could probably bump it up a couple scene. points. It, it just didn't make your pulse pound like everything else. I mean, God yeah, damn. Yeah, in contrast, it looked mediocre. <laughs> I just feel like you're trying to save the tin for, for the later finale. on in the season. And really, <laughs> um, this could – because it's interesting. Um, that's one of the points that Chuck Klosterman is making on Bill Simmons' podcast today. He's like, you know, it seems like most seasons when they get to the end, they're either all played out and they're limping and gasping or the creator does this kind of like masturbatory. I'm smarter than the audience. I don't care if they get it or not. Like you know, Sopranos take. Whereas Vince seems to have two objectives. One that this is total fan service. He wants the fans to be fucking thrilled to the end. And uh, two that this is one. This because of all the problems of the of episodes and stuff, and even the wire. It's it's by far weakest part as its last season. Um, it could it could definitely go out as like you know hands down the best final season, the best final episode, the best way to wrap up a series of all time. Certainly, I I don't see any reason why it couldn't. Judging from these first you know three episodes, uh, yeah. Uh, well, it brings up the question: Do you count the entirety of season five? You know, uh, those first eight were certainly good, but I don't think they were on the same caliber that we've seen of these first three. Honestly. Oh no! If they maintain this pace, this is going to be my favorite season of all time. All right. I mean, and and you got to think is like, is he ever going to let her, our, us catch our breath? Is he ever going to like set up pieces for some final epic thing, or is this going to be? I mean, it's almost like he's building stuff out of nothing. Like he's just pulling threads that he's laid down from all these previous seasons, and I don't need set up. God damn it! That's the key. Keep up, keep up. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he said it all right there. He has been building this final season for four and a half seasons. Yeah. So now that he's there, he doesn't need to set anything else up. He just needs to knock him down. There are no new characters. There are no new relationships. This is this is. A, 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 you know, like I fired this cannon shell straight up in the air, and now it's just coming down, and you can't stop it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's it for the episode. Why don't we get into some pimping? Uh, before I do that, we actually got pimped uh, by David Chin, the Ones Who Knock podcast. Evil Chin Pyre uh, gave us a very, very generous. I actually feel like his motivation was to get us to re-up are, uh, you know, maybe give him a little uh, money <laughs> under the table, a little extra extra, because he certainly uh-huh. mentioned baldmove.com enough. Uh, so welcome to everybody coming from The Ones Who Knock. Uh, you can find all of our stuff, including our full uh, coverage of uh, Breaking Bad. We do The Walking Dead. We do Justified. We do uh, 
uh, the Night's Watch, uh, which is Game of Thrones cast. We do Mad Men. You can find all that at baldmove.com. Uh, also, don't forget about the Personal Arrogance Guys, which we are going to be crashing their places, their domiciles this week, hanging out with them in Seattle. Excited I'm actually about- crashing their podcast this week as well. So Sweet. Look for that. Speaking of crashing podcasts, uh, the Because Show just had their best ever because they had me on it. <laughs> And I talked with uh, Susan and Amy about Orange is the New Black, and a lot of people uh, have been talking about that. It's got a lot of action on our forums, uh, on our Facebook site. So we recorded a little cast about it. If you're interested in that show, check out the Because Show, and hopefully you'll get addicted to them like I I am addicted to them. And uh, don't forget about uh, Kelly and Tom, uh, Up Yours Downstairs. They continue to be pumping out original content about Edwardian England times. I highly encourage you to check them out. They're hilarious. Uh, ways you can support us are leaving us uh, reviews on iTunes. Uh, that always helps us. And we've been, since we've come back, we've been in the uh, What's Hot section of TV and film consistently, uh, especially on the days uh, before, during, and after our releases. And that helps us so much. Uh, the amount of growth we've gotten in the off season and during the season is just incredible. It's unprecedented. Yeah, I I'm totally blown away. I can't believe it's uh, how you guys are supporting us. It's crazy. It's it's insane. We really appreciate it. I hope you guys totally. uh, get that we spend a lot of time and effort and and compiling your feedback and corresponding and and putting out this podcast in return because it's 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 the least we can do. We're totally listener supported. Um, that's not true. No, we're audible and listener support, audible and listener (laughs) supported. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, you can also use our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com. You know how it works. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, you might as well throw a few pennies our way and it helps us continue to pay the bills, invest in new audio equipment after the fiasco that was last week. Jim and I opened the bald vaults wide, and we have put redundancy in place that should never, ever happen again because it's no fun for us, and we like to have fun in this cast. So, Yeah, if we um, need money for a disappearer anytime soon, I'm going to be in my crawl space screaming because <laughs> we don't have it anymore so. why did you buy that backup recorder <laughs> yeah did you really need that shock mount microphone no, anyway um also on a personal note i'll try to make this quick uh i'm playing the last of us it's a fantastic fucking game i'm playing the multiplayer i haven't played multiplayer games in a long long time um, I could use some friends to play it with, and I was wondering if uh, people want to, to email be my me friend. <laughs> to email me their gamer tag or whatever the hell you call it on the PlayStation Network. Um, I will hook you up as one of my friends, and then I don't know whether I don't know how it's going to work. Maybe because I don't I don't get to play it that often. I'm busy, but like I'm thinking one night a week, and maybe every other weekend we can throw down. I'll get on Twitter and announce that we're going on there. We can form a party and we can murder some fools. If that sounds like a good time, uh, send it in to a.ron at baldmove.com, your gamer tag, and I will friend you back. Awesome. I'm, I'm probably going to get in on that, too. I, I like you should. Playing, playing me some games, and I got a PS3. so You should. It's, fan- it's so fucking good. It's so yeah. fucking good. That's what I hear. It's a great way to keep the single player going, too, because it's basically all the good parts of the single player minus the plot. So it's all just murder. It's all the antisocial <laughs> murdering. It's it's right at Breaking Bad fans alley, man. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, shall we get the feedback now? Let's do it. 
All right, so our first couple emails that I'm going to play back-to-back here. Uh, one of them is from Poppy from Idaho uh, and also Aaron from Massachusetts. Hey, you guys. My name's Poppy. I'm from Idaho. I'm loving your podcast. I've been listening to it for a couple of years. I also listened to the Game of Thrones one. I um, had a couple things I wanted to get your opinion on. One was the uncle of anarchy finding blood on his boot. I, I didn't know if you thought there was more to it than just him wiping blood off. And then I, I was wondering if you noticed the van that came to pick up Jesse on the side of the road looked empty to me. It was like a ghost. I thought that was pretty cool. It looked like there was nobody driving it at any point. I couldn't see anybody in there, which I thought was a cool touch. And the last thing I wanted to say is the whole Anna Gunn debate. I've never really liked her that much, not because she of her position, but the way she's acted it. And she just wrote an, an article in the New York Times sort of defending her position, but she says in there that Vince Gilligan, quote, wanted Skyler to be a woman with a backbone of steel who would stand up to whatever came her way, who wouldn't just collapse in the corner and wring her hands in despair, unquote. And I feel like even in this episode, she's always looking like she's under full distress, and she's catatonic, and she's weak. I, I have never felt like she played a strong character. I always felt like she was kind of weak and... and um, not coping well, so I'd love to get your take on that. I do like hearing about her weight gain and loss from Aaron. I have to agree with him on that one. It's kind of an interesting thing. But all right, thanks you guys. Bye. Hi, this is Aaron again from Newton, Massachusetts, and uh, just want to thanks again for your great work you're doing on the podcast. My thoughts this morning were about Anna Gunn, who did an op-ed piece in the Times over the weekend, and. It was really sad to read that, you know, um, apparently some of the commentary about her character and about her personally on Facebook has gotten to the level of death threats because, you know, it made me think about how we identify so fiercely with these characters that sometimes maybe forget about the actors who play them. It's actually put me in mind of um, the guy who plays uh, Joffrey on Game of Thrones, uh, Jack Gleason. His cast members are always pointing out what a great guy he is, you know, because I think maybe they're worried that he's going to get, you know, knifed by somebody who's a little too into the show. But, you know, I mean, I know that, that we've had some fun on the cast with, uh, with Anna's Wade and stuff, but it just made me feel like, you know, she doesn't write the lines. I mean, you can criticize whether or not she delivers them well, but, you know, she doesn't create the character, and if the character is sympathetic or unsympathetic, you know, it's not really her fault, and I and I think sometimes people need to make a better distinction between the actor and the character, you know, because in a way it's liberating. You can say, well, I hate this character, but it's okay. It's a, you know, it's just a character. It's not the actor or actress themselves. But anyway, I just uh, was curious as to what you guys thought about that and uh, wanted to hear your take on it. So thanks very much. Okay, so that's kind of uh, a lot to talk about here, but let's just take it all kind of in one chunk. Uh, what do you think about Skyler and or Anna Gunn? Uh, so we got a lot of uh, feedback takes on this, too. I know Gene, Cynthia B., D. Candlish all kind of wrote in with similar takes or similar questions. Um, first of all, it's, it's disgusting that Anna Gunn gets death threats because she plays a fictional character on television. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a lot of mentally ill people in this country. I don't know what you can – because I'm sure, like, if it, even if it was a dozen, if you got six million people watching a show, you've got at least a dozen crazy people 
that are are doing stuff like that. I mean, it's just not it's not cool to even tweet that at her, like you know, as a joke. Um, that that's kind of horrifying. I'm with um, you, and it's it's just like Aaron says. It's you need to distinguish between the character she's playing and the person. Like we were talking about earlier, when the camera's cut off, it's all joking and fun, and everybody's happy. On screen, yeah. nobody's happy. <laughs> so right. it's like these are these are fictionalized characters, and Anna Gunn has gotten the short straw in this series. She's had to portray this character who is really an antagonist to the protagonist that Walt used to be. Uh, and that's it, the and that's the thing. I I will link both of these articles uh, in the show notes. Uh, Anna Gunn's uh, editorial but i thought mo ryan um i think she's at huffington but i thought her response was actually better because she's like i don't think you went far enough and i also think the anna gunn she can't really throw vince gilligan under the bus but i will maintain that pilot skyler is a very unlikable character yes and we as viewers can bring misogyny to the table. We can bring the fact that, you know, maybe we're not happy in our marriage. Maybe we're not happy in our relationships. Maybe we're not happy in our jobs and we feel emasculated. And But but Villigan threw fucking red meat to those people. And people that are fair-minded are going to come around saying things like, Skylar White seems like a controlling uh, a bitch. And that's and fine. More- that's the impression that I had as well. But there's a line there in the sand where... Th- it's a character. It's a yeah, character. I mean, and the idea I, that you're going to throw a death threat around for nah. someone's portrayal of a character is insane. It, yeah, I don't. I don't even want to talk about it anymore because it's so crazy. I don't know. You know, other than go see a professional and get on some medication, I don't know what you can tell those people. Yeah. I'm talking about the you know some stuff that we've seen fans talk about where I don't. I feel like there's legitimate reasons to to hate Skylar White. And there's there she kind of became an interesting nuanced character somewhere between season three and four, and you know Vince started doing right by her maybe because she started getting all this this problems. Um, I gotta say though that this is a big problem with writers today. Like Maureen Ryan says, they don't know how to write a interesting antagonist when it's the character's an antihero's wife. You know, she's always cast as this wet blanket, you know, noxious, controlling mother figure that always, you know, harshes the the hero's good time or attempted good time, even if we're talking about murdering psychopaths. Um, Yeah, I think we've often said that the only television show we know of that does justice to female characters is Justified because Raylan is kind of an asshole. And his ex, who, you know, he still has a torch for and they still kind of, you know, have a relationship ongoing, is not thrilled with his behavior. Mm -hmm. But other than a two-episode arc in season two, which is annoying just because of some of the plot elements and not annoying because of her, she comes off as always a very rational, compassionate, uh, connected, articulate foil for, for Raylan's kind of bullshit bad boy behavior right yeah like, she's you never far think... more supportive than any other she's not just su- she's not just supportive she's just a three-dimensional character yeah, who's, yeah that's true who's who who loves this man but she's also scared to death of the shit that he puts her through and the put he puts himself stuff and can articulate that uh-huh. and then you got ava um 
Ava Crowder, who is another fantastically realized character that has, you know, her own agency and can make her own decisions and just isn't always reacting to the men in her life. I don't know why they can do it and other shows can't, but, you know, people they are saying that it's an audience problem that there's so much misogyny around, you know, Betty Draper and Lori Grimes and Skylar White, I think are missing the point. Yes, there is a lot of misogyny. Yes, we have a long way to go in America as far as, you know, recognizing feminist issues and, and getting gender equality in entertainment. But the writers, I think, bear a much higher portion because they're basically playing on these prejudices as a shorthand mm-hmm. to, like, you know, um, it, it would have been interesting to have Walt have a very depressed – um, down on his luck, disappointing, uh, disappointed with the way his life turns out, and have a supportive wife. Yeah, that would so actually despite be despite his wife. He's still uh, depressed and, <laughs> and yeah, unfulfilled. The, fa- the fact that they have a loving, family relationship, the fact that he's just dis- depressed because of decisions he's made in his life, that would actually be more interesting and make his yeah. lying and betrayal, um, you know, us feel very different about it in the beginning. You Maybe. Know, why- I mean, I, I think. They've handled Skyler all right overall. I think, like you said, there was a turn somewhere in the middle of the series where she really became her own character uh, right. and made decisions for herself. Uh, I, I So where does the line get drawn where we're trying to write that character and that's effective at this point? Because I feel like Mad Men has those characters. You know, They have both strong women characters like Peggy – who are exercising their own agency. As much as they can at the time. Exactly. But also the terrible characters like Betty, who you just want to drive a pitchfork through, you know? Right. I almost wonder if, like, it's almost easier to do it um, because you've got these women that are so up against so much uh, misogyny and sexism that was just in your face that it's easier to write them as, you know strong i i guess portray them as strong um i don't know i just think that you know again the birthday hand job of skyler was just pretty much unexcusable <laughs> that is something that's a farce and yeah. orange of the new black had a very um skyler-esque male character in in and larry and people reacted negatively to him so, you know, we are just human beings and we react to emotional and visual stimulus. And when you give us an emotional visual stimulus of a person that is controlling, um, who doesn't – who tries to take the agency away from her husband or her lover or whatever and um, is kind of tone deaf and, and, and reactionary and hypocritical, uh, it – it's going you're going to have a bad time and you know a lot of people have said how much more interesting skylar is but that's true but i feel like um you know what what was the 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 lady from idaho uh poppy poppy i want to say pepper or pepper <laughs> um okay but but yeah um like poppy said vince and and anna gunn say one thing about she's just character with a backbone of steel mm-hmm. yet she's got really flexy bendy steel because she's gone one way or another and drawn lines and crossed them that's very complex but it's 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 almost like if that's the type of character they're writing they're still fucking up and doing it wrong so mm-hmm. i you know i don't i don't know um 
this is something that I think about a lot. What is Hollywood's uh, – what do they owe us beyond entertainers to have a positive social commentary? I, I, I don't know. I just know that Anna yeah. – I, I don't – I think the truth is a little bit you know, in between what Anna Gunn wrote and what your average fan uh, joined the Fuck Skylar White Facebook would, would have you believe. And I thought Mo Ryan's piece – you know pointed the finger where they needed to go us at the audience. We need to do a better job. And also the people producing the content need to do a better job is stop taking shortcuts, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. You don't want to take the shortcut, but then how do you, how would you respond to someone who says, Oh, well this character is, you know, just the stereotypical uh, wife and on television. How would you respond to, to someone who says, well, in this instance, they need, to be that because I feel like to a degree Skyler kind of needed to be that to Walter at the beginning eh, of the series. I, I, I thought that Walter, I mean, if you took Skyler out and again, just gave him a happy, a supportive a family I, life. I don't He's, know that I agree with that. I mean, you want had, oh, all man, aspects he, of his life to be beating him down. I think at the beginning, because that's what really forces him out of his shell. Ultimately. I don't know. I feel like the shit going on at school, the shit going on at the eyebrows, the shit going on with his brother, asshole brother-in-law, the shit uh-huh. going on at the money situation, the hints that we had of his, you know, the fact that he was up for a Nobel Prize and now he's teaching high school chemistry and, you know, working two jobs is to make ends meet. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, why do you have to go the extra mile to make him even more pathetic? But why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't you? Because if you that's ha- the you- character that you want to write and those characters – legitimately exist in society in real life why not well, write that character if that's what you want then to do fucking own the fact that you wrote a unattractive okay, unappealing bitchy character and don't try to make it see feel like i'm the asshole for reacting recoiling from that character okay see i didn't read that article is that what she's saying in the article um what's well, one of the things i mean like right. i said honestly the thing is is there's i want to also separate between you know, you, you 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 can you can not like Skylar for the right reasons, and you can not like Skylar for the wrong reasons, and you can express sure. your dislike in respectful terms, intelligent terms, and you can re- you can uh, uh, register respect or lack of respect in or d- disrespect. Oh, fuck, I think I understand what I'm saying. There's <laughs> yes, there's two ways to do it, and I think it kind of says a little bit about you, which 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 path you kind of take. So. Okay. But, you know, I feel like I've tried to be very balanced in how I view Skylar, and I'm not going to retract a lot of things I said about season one through three Skylar because I think they're true. And trying to pretend that they're not is a little revisionist history to me and tries to make it seem like it's just these things happen in a vacuum. Like you just had a strong woman character and men of America can't deal with that shit. Yeah. Yes, that's more true than I am comfortable admitting. (laughs) But also, you did a shitty job of making a strong female character. Yeah, that I can get behind. All right. Um, let's move on to Jason and Sion from the Nattercast. Uh, here's what they had to say. Hey, baldies. Nothing like a hot, bald man. We should shave the rest of your hair off, Jason. So what was your favorite part of the show? Well, it, the whole show was just as exciting as having guacamole made for you at your table. <laughs> All right, so here's what I want to know. 
Why was there no streams of urine running down Marie's legs? Seriously. Those beautiful long high heels she had There should on. be a purple stream of fluid. They <laughs> were watching that video. I kept checking them to see why. Oh, my God. Who was going to faint and wet themselves? <laughs> I'm getting the full story stuff here. Speaking of full stories and Marie, I think I got a prediction. Oh, yeah. I like your prediction. This one's so good. Here we go. This is official, official Nattercast prediction. Yeah, here we go. Saul and Marie end up together. Well, I think they're already having an affair if you look the way they dress. Uh, evidently, she's she dressing has him. Been dressing. She has been dressing him. <laughs> or he's dressing to impress her. Or he's dressed to impress her. Or something's going on there. There's, this, I think there's, there's a, a purple spark. problem. They've never met, but there's a little spark. <laughs> so I, I got one more prediction. Now, of course you do. Of course. I think that, that, that's it. So I go, this is a real one. Bring so, it, babe. So my serious prediction is that Walter Jr. discovers the confession video on the home computer. All right, so what do you think about the idea that Walt Jr. could find this tape? Well, it appeals to me because it's Walt's own hubris being his down, the downfall, right? Oh, and yeah. it's shades of also, we didn't touch about this, but Saul was well-meaning when he took away Jesse's weed. Uh-huh. But that well-meaning act to cover his ass and make sure everything went off smoothly blew up in Walt's face. And it would be a natural outcurring of that kind of these things unraveling that that Walt is still executing on a high level with brilliant plans, but they are they're getting they're they're just they're just he's not getting the luck that he was getting in previous seasons. Yeah, there's um, variables you can't account for in a plan. <laughs> exactly, too many moving parts. So so I really like that. Um, and and it, it would it would just totally destroy everything that he's tried to do for his family and and in the process he has destroyed his family like hank yeah. and marie are never going to speak to them again As, especially <laughs> if you from make guacamole dinners especially if you make the stereotypical kind of older middle-aged dad mistake of it's it's in the recycle bin <laughs> and walt jr goes in there because he's a little bit more savvy and he accidentally deleted a homework file he's like oh i gotta go restore it oh uh, what's what's this uh you know, confession dot uh, mw or mwv oh. or whatever. You know and what he I plays was, it. Yeah, to, I can see that happening. You know what what happens in that scenario? He approaches Walt with it, and Walt says that it's all true. And now Walt Junior thinks that Hank is a kingpin and has done horrible things to his oh, family. Oh God, that's so bad. That is so bad. <laughs> Oh man! I wow. kind of hope this happens because that's that's pretty brilliant. Well, yeah. I mean, I have I have faith that whatever you know. It's like I said. It's like it's funny because I'm getting this cocky confidence as people make predictions. Like, yeah, you're gonna be wrong. Vince Gilligan's <laughs> sure. gonna show you. But yeah, there are some strong ones this week for sure. All right, let's move on to James FC from Virginia. Here we go. Hey, Jim and Aaron. This is James FC from Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, this episode felt like a capstone in Cranston's portrayal of Walt, uh, just when he sees some of his humanity coming through in the last episode on the bathroom floor with Skyler. Walt turns it around in this episode with the DVD confession and his hugging-it-out manipulation of Jesse. This amazing episode especially reminded me that we're seeing one of the greatest portrayals of an evil person ever put on screen the only other portrayals that seem to belong in the same category are Kevin Spacey in, as John Doe in Seven and Ray Fiennes as Amon Guth in Schindler's List. Uh, two questions. 
are you too comfortable using the word evil at this point to describe Walt? Uh, if so, why? If not, why not? Second question, can you think of other portrayals of evil characters on film or TV uh, that rank with what Cranston's achieved here? Thanks again, guys, and talk to you soon. Okay, so I'm fairly confident in saying that Walt is evil at this point. I think, for me, it still tips at the poisoning of Brock. That was kind of the moment where I was like, this, this guy will do anything, anything to get his way. Uh, and it's only been reinforced since then. I mean, the killing of Drew Sharp is another very obvious point. Well, so, like, if we're judging this by Aaron covered his mouth and went, <gasps> scale, the first time I can remember <laughs> doing that with Walt's behavior was when Jane started throwing up and he oh. just sat there and watched her die. Yeah, good point. Like, I don't think that I was ready to call him evil, but that's the first time I, like, whoa, I'm rooting for this guy kind of feeling. Um, I actually, I really like Villigan's personal stance where he was evil when he had a way out of the situation where he'd get treatment and provide for his family. He just had to swallow his pride and he didn't do it. Yeah. Where he put yeah. his pride above his family's safety, above the moral, you know, cause, cause put aside all the people he's killing, putting meth on the streets is an evil act. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty liberal when it comes to, like, drug policy in this country, and I would like to see all drugs legalized, not because I want to smoke meth or shoot up heroin, just because I think that the net ills to society would be better. I've learned my lesson from watching Boardwalk Empire and the fucking wire. Um, yeah. But <laughs> that said, fucking meth is bad news, man. Um, <laughs> and making it and putting it on the street is a shitty, shitty thing to do. Um, so yeah, Kubi, is he, is he evil? I would say, yes, he is. The second part of his question, who does he remind me of? Yeah. Like what um, other portrayals are there that are as, as well portrayed, uh, for evil characters? First off the back, I think Mags Bennett season two justified. Oh God. That is such a Mas good one. <laughs> master manipulator. Um, mm -hmm. cold-hearted, putting her family above everybody else, but still kind of manipulating and abusing those. Uh, if you've not seen any of Justified, fuck the first season. Watch season two. It's a clinic. Yeah. Um, man, I I don't know because there's there's not a whole lot of shows where we get this intimate look at someone. You know, I haven't seen all of the Shield. I've heard that at its heights that, you know, the Vic Mackey character is as complex. But even he yeah, you've he's, seen him, he's he, more complex. He's, and he's good he's more good, right? He like, is. He honestly wants to do what's right in most scenarios and he, does in a lot of he, them, but then when it comes he, to protecting himself and his crew and uh, getting paid. He, and, he, he, yeah. That well that's what starts it all off, sure. <laughs> so yeah, I, he's I don't know that I'd call him evil. I I don't know. It's hard to say. The talented uh, Mr. Ripley, uh, Matt Damon's performance of that is 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 another <laughs> very good portrayal of a sociopath that right. you initially feel sympathy for, and you you know, um, man, it, it's it's I guess Mar Michael Corleone from The Godfather. Yeah, I mean, you can go to like Scarface and and The Godfather and all. But those it's hard to compare movies. those guys that even at their operatic lengths of, you know, Godfather is eight and nine hours of material. It's not Breaking Bad where we've got 150 plus hours of watching this man's soul corrode to this point. <laughs> Very true. Can... And if you look at somebody like uh, Tony Montana from Scarface, he, even he drew the line at killing kids. 
Yep. Does that make Perfect. him less evil than Walter White? I think it certainly does. Yeah, it shows that he has a... A heart of uh, gold, that Tony well, Montana. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like most most antiheroes have some kind of moral center that you can hang your hat on. I don't know that yeah. Walt does. Walt seems capable of justifying any behavior. All right, so that's it for voicemails this week. Uh, we had to edit for some time. I know uh, we we didn't have many last week, but we had a ton this week. So uh, we need to get to the emails. I think you've got those, Aaron. Yeah, as we said in the Kickstarter, we really only have time for three of uh, the voicemails before we got to move on. So yeah, we went a little long this week, but that's all right. Eh, we had some good stuff. Yep. Uh, Shep wrote in with a little tidbit from a Dean Norris interview you saw about the cousins out of season three. Uh, Daniel and Luis Mancada, something I didn't know about them. Did you know that they had they they were former gangbangers and they had the words "fuck you" tattooed their eyelids? Yeah, I knew that. I, I did not I know that. that. And and they had "speak no evil" tattooed to their gums. And yeah. uh, I guess uh, Dean was asking them, "Hey, did that hurt?" And they're like, "Well, the ink kind of hurt, but what really hurt is when they shoved the spoons under our eyelids so they could have something." Firm to put the ink. Can you even fucking imagine? No, that sounds horrible. Oh, God. Crawl, crawling through the desert in your suit seems a lot more comfortable after I know that about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Breisenberg said, something I've been thinking about Walt's cancer and pills. Am I wrong in thinking he shouldn't have a full head of hair and a flash forwards if he's still receiving chemo treatment? Why take the anti-nausea pills if you're not receiving the treatment that makes you feel the nausea? Is the wig for a disguise? Hmm. It's a fair point. How the hell do you take chemo when you're hiding out from the law? Even though they're <laughs> okay. an name. That's a fair question. Um, yeah, I don't know. So maybe the pills are a misdirection and that is the ricin. Who knows? Or maybe he's off the chemo and he's still feeling sick because the cancer sucks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's that too. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, that, that's a very good question. I'm interested to see if they address that in the show. Kevin says, I want a Walking Dead apocalypse, which is the fan edit of season yeah. one of Walking Dead that we're pimping all the time. A style super edit of Breaking Bad solely from the point of view of Hank. This is a fucking brilliant idea. It's a genius idea, right? I kind of want to do it when we get some, yeah. sp- when, or some spare time. Uh, it totally violates every copyright and every every property law in existence yeah, but, but you do the same fan edit bullshit where like don't watch this unless you own all the dvds or if it's christian netflix or otherwise have it so we're basically licensing to edit we're not licensing the content oh we're not going to talk legalese here i don't i don't know how you'd get it done <laughs> but it is a genius idea it, it turns really breaking is. bad into like a mystery almost yeah like a cop show yeah a, re- yeah, a really a really weird show about the evolution of this brash, blowhard, uh-huh. you know, xenophobic, homophobic <laughs> cop. And, and then the reveal when he's on the toilet. Yeah. That final reveal would be so good. And we could even edit some of the webisode information, like, you know, to start off the story where it's like just Hank and Walt on the front porch and he's trying to convince him to marry Marie and like you really sell their friendship. I that Yeah. That has that's a really genius I don't know how well it would hang together because it would only be like six hours long, right? Yeah, it wouldn't be that long. There's not much Hank in this series. And you'd have to edit it, you know, a, a certain way, but yeah. Holy shit, because you would never know that Walt was <laughs> yeah. in on it. You would suspect Jesse. Yep. You'd have but... one of those connection moments that Hank had on the toilet that Jesse had with the <laughs> rice and cigarette. That's right. 
Beautiful. Best watch on your smartphone on the can. Uh, great idea, Kevin. Uh, Joe says to go along, uh, or he says, I predict that Todd and the uncles of Anarchy figure out that the lottery ticket is the GPS coordinates. This is a good, this is an awesome prediction. Walt knows this, and given his condition, he can't dig the money out of the ground because, hey, he wants to dig a whole big asshole twice. Walt therefore hides in the desert, maybe on top of the butte, waits for the uncles to dig out the money, then starts blasting. The advantage is that the big asshole makes a convenient grave. They thought Walt wow. was dead, and it is a total surprise. Mission accomplished. That's cool. That would be sweet that he would like, and maybe he even acts like it's a defeat. Like here, here's the coordinates, you know, blah blah blah. And he meets him there at the machine gun, waits till they dig that shit out. <laughs> boom, 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 mass grave, ready to go. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Kate says during the listener theories, I really expected someone to have written in about the possibility of Walt Jr. and Lewis doing meth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that we've talked about in every season before this. At first, I thought it sounded silly, but the funny idea th- flew around. And then I read Vulture's interview with Betsy Brandt, and she said this. Um, the interviewer says, one curious thing for me, Marie tries to take Holly away, but what about Walt Jr.? Doesn't she want to protect him too? Marie, or uh, not Marie, Betsy says, oh, yeah, yeah, laughs. She wanted to take them both. Well, where is he? What's he been up to? She says, hmm, you'll have to see. I promise all the things I'm not telling you, you won't be disappointed. There's an answer, no stone left unturned in the last eight episodes. Do you, do you think there's some legs of this theory that uh, that one of the um, you know big fuck yous coming to Walt is the fact that Walt Jr. is hooked on his product? Ah, uh, that'd be devastating. I kind of hope so because <laughs> Walt deserves it at this point. Also, I believe that's one of my predictions from yeah be- prior to season four. So, so uh, I hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, moving on to some new business, Christine says Jesse's fed up and could care less about being loyal to Walt. He wants to destroy Walt. Somehow his plan to burn down the house is foiled. Maybe Walt Jr. comes home. We all know Jesse has a soft spot for kids. Anyhow, plan B is to go to Walt- Hank. The only thing is it's too late. Hank can no longer be try to bring charges against Walt because of the blackmailing. Jesse will be pissed and frustrated. Hank refuses to act on information. He will probably make a scene and just start shouting info in the middle of the DEA office for all to hear. Hmm. What what do you think about that? Uh, yeah. As far as I don't know, the I, I read this primarily because she's the first of probably a dozen people to write in with the theory that Jesse won't be able to burn down the house because Walt Jr. shows up. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are saying that. Uh, I I don't know. There's nothing to to me that indicates Walt Jr. is going to show up there or should show up. It's more likely, in my opinion, that Hank. And or Walt both show up there. All right. So, uh, is there evidence to support that Walt Jr. could show up there, other than don't him think, living there? I don't think he's home because his car was not in a driveway. True, but certainly he could show up. It's his fucking house. It's the middle of the afternoon. Why wouldn't he show up? Yeah, but there's nothing that says, "Hey, it's likely to happen." Like there is yeah. with Hank or Walt. Yeah. Uh, Darrell says we're three episodes in, and already all the major players except for Junior now see Walt as a manipulative, cold-blooded bastard that he is. I can't help but wonder if the next week's episode will end with Junior finding out that his dad used SaveWalterWhite.com to launder money, punctuated with a crutch swing, swung roundhouse style <laughs> to Walt's noggin. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, because that's the thing. Like, when these people find out, it's not, like, one little thing. These manipulations go back 
well, a, a year. A year, yeah. But but seasons worth, and and the whole save Walter White if he finds out that that was a money laundering scheme. God. Oh Christ! <laughs> it's so brutal for Walt Jr. However, this turns out. Uh, Jay Buck says, "Does anyone else think that Walt is back in the remission? How else could he grow that hair during chemo? And if he still is going to chemo, it'd be pretty tough to do with a fake name." Uh, that leads me to believe that he beats his cancer. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I mean, we it's have a fair point. We just probably a, a six to nine month elapse between when we think the action is going to end and when we think the action is going to pick back up. Mm-hmm. That's plenty of time to grow out your hair, right? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Um, Jay Buck says, "I also assume that Todd blows up his lab and the uncles of Anarchy find Walt to replace him or kill him for a bad recipe." Otherwise, why are they still on the show? Good question. When Walt refuses either the uh, either option, they try to kill him. Long story short, that's what the light machine gun is for. Yeah, there's definitely a reason that these guys are still in the show. The, why why keep them around if they're not going to do anything? Indeed. Got to have Team Panzer Gray in there for a reason. Brett says, Saul suggests that Jesse moved to Florida while Jesse contemplates Alaska. Do you think the guy in the minivan might actually have been planning to sending Jesse to Belize? <laughs> um, a lot of people emailed with that thought that, like, this guy's not a cleaner, or he's a cleaner in the, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger term of the eraser word. Um, All right, so if he is planning to kill Jesse, Saul doesn't know about it, because why take the weed off of him if he's just going to get killed anyway? Plus, I think Saul at one point was about to invoke the cleaner himself. Yeah, and Walt was about to as well. I mean, well, but but I mean, a lot of people speculated. About three of the emails sent in to me said something along the lines of, "This is Salt's solution when a client gets out of hand. He tells him about the cleaner. The cleaner gotcha. comes up and then drops him off in the desert, and they're never seen from again." So it's definitely possible. But if that's the case, uh, Saul's either an asshole or he doesn't know. <laughs> But also, why? How would we ever know? Because that's a, that's a legitimate. I ought to start doing that. Like, get my name out as I'm I'm a professional cleaner, and <laughs> start I do so people. well. I do it so well that no one's ever heard from again, and I just kill them and dump them in the Ohio River. And there you go, lucrative. Oh, 170 grand a pop, man. Um. Anyway, Rick says, think about tonight's episode and Walt and how good the show is. We used to sympathize sympathize with Walt as an underdog. But I've never hated him more as I did in this episode because he is winning. <laughs> Ooh. Is, there's a lot of people that switch sympathies from from Walt in the last season or two. I don't know if he's gotten any evil, or, but I think there is something to the underdog versus winner. Yeah, and, and you don't want to see the bad guy win, and Walt has become the bad guy. I'm now yeah. on Hank's side. I want to see Hank take down Walt. Yeah, so you I'm with see, him. You, you want to see some schmuck fight the system and win. You don't want to see that schmuck turn into a monster and kill a <laughs> bunch of people and and destroy his family and win. For sure. I think there's there's some solid psychology behind that. Uh Double A Aaron says, "Did you notice Saul's license plate when Walt and Jesse were out in the desert? It said lawyer up, but when Walt and Jesse were standing up against it, the L was blocked and it looked like wire up." <laughs> Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but it could be a clue that Jesse's going to team up with Hank and eventually wear a wire. Even though he's dead set against the talking to the Popo, he is in survival mode and doesn't have many options. You know, is this going to be another brilliant Villigan <laughs> shot? <laughs> I will never say that you are reading too much into something, uh, courtesy of my coffee theory. So who knows? 
Maybe that could be true. Anissa says, a lot of people online and a lot of my friends and family are speculating that Jesse has to go to Hank to help him out now. As we've seen, making assumptions with the show makes an ass out of you and me. Before this episode aired, I felt strongly Jesse wouldn't talk and still hold to that. Besides, even if Jesse goes to the DEA, any lawyer worth the salt would say that the drug kingpin Hank forced Jesse into it. And Jesse was scared of another beating or worse. No, the testimony that Hank needs that will stick is Lydia's testimony. Hmm. She's far enough removed to be able to put doubt to the Hank as the meth kingpin story and knows enough to take Walt and the uncle's anarchy down. And I have no doubt she will sing like a canary if she felt cornered. Maybe that's the reason they spent so much time on Team Panzer Gray and Todd retelling the, to- the train robbery story. What do you think about that? That's a solid take, right? It is. It is. I mean, Lydia is – she has enough knowledge uh, about the operation to certainly cast doubt on Walt's story. Um, and I she's just, a person of interest. It's something that Hank yeah. would already kind of have in the back of his head maybe that, that we could plausibly see and make that connection. True. Uh, I just wonder if – I'm racking my brain looking for a piece of actual evidence that could – throw a monkey wrench into Walt's plans, and I can't think of it. it at, so far, it seems like it's just going to be testimony that does it from someone, and Lydia is a, a perfectly good candidate. I just feel yeah. like there needs to be a piece of evidence, something Walt hasn't thought about, something the audience hasn't thought about to bring him down. Yeah, example of his arrogance. Yeah, rather yeah. Rather than someone actually coming and you know spilling the beans on him. Uh, JS said, do you think that in a flash forward when Walt is looking at the Heisenberg scrawled on the wall... In yellow, that the public have attributed Heisenberg's crimes to Hank. If so, that's a genius turn by the huh. Villigan because that scene not only reaches Ozymandias proportions but spins an irony into the mix. There is Walt standing before his entire legacy scrawled on the wall of his dilapidated family home, his entire life's work attributed to someone else. Would that <laughs> not be the most profound insult for, for a man as egotistical as Walt and would be a nice throwback parallel to Grey Matter? Yeah. Yeah, it would. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah, and we that's the thing. Like, I feel like there is some kind of rope-a-dope coming about that. That that Vince is deliberately giving us, showing us stuff that is, is misleading us, and that, that would definitely fit into that. Uh, speaking of overanalyzing, and I'm reading this because I had the exact same thought, Greg. Uh, <laughs> paper towel, the blood didn't flush all the way down. Yeah. Uh, is that retrievable for DNA purposes? That's got to be a big stretch, right? Uh, it does. Um, actually, I forgot to mention this. Poppy from Idaho in her voicemail said that as well. I, I, man, that's a stretch. Yes, we didn't see it flush, but I, if if this anybody show walks in you. there and takes a piss in that toilet, they're going to flush it again and again yeah. and again until it goes down. They're not going to see something red on it and go, I'll just grab that for evidence later. That's got to be a murder. <laughs> that's got to be evidence to a, a murder trial. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I'm kind of we're kind of making fun of you, except for that. was My very first fucking thought when I saw it, because Billigan has me on high alert with this shit. Absolutely. So I don't think it's going to happen, but eh, we'll see. Um, also. Uh, what do you think about this? Saul paid Jesse's bail money that Walt gave him from the van as Walt instructed, yelling over the phone, just use the money I gave you. I presume Saul didn't pay in cash, but if so, then that money is from the big storage locker stash from which Walt also gave Jesse $5 million, which, you know, he then did the Robin Hood routine. 
The question is, will the ABQPD be able to match this cash as coming from the same source or at least having consecutive serial numbers or DNA? I don't think it works that way, man. Yeah, because it, it wasn't taken from a bank. Normally when you no. have something taken from a location where the serial numbers are recorded, that's one thing. But this is all from random people. It just built up over months and was added to that storage shed. Yeah. Skyler couldn't. So it's not like it's one big batch. Uh, the DNA, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, mm. I I don't know. It depends on how CSIE Gilligan wants to get with this. To to date, he hasn't been very CSIE. So True. Uh, not a bad thought, but I, I don't know if that'll be his downfall. Lindsay says, do you guys think it's significant at all that Todd failed to mention the sons to the Sons of Anarchy that he killed the kid on the motorbike when he was retelling the story of the train robbery to them? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. I don't think they actually would have been all that happy with it, honestly. Yeah, it seems like he was telling everything that made him sound more of a badass and minimizing everything that made him sound less of a badass. For sure. Whether that's significant or not, we'll see in the next couple weeks. Um, and not, uh, let's see, Rick says, uh, he's the one that said Jesse wanted to go to Alaska as a callback to him and Walt watching Ice Road Truckers in 409 Bug. Okay. Uh, Anonymous in Alaska said, just thought I'd share something that I didn't think has been picked up on yet. This is an it email pre- from Jesse. <laughs> Yo, bitch. <laughs> uh, we have a pretty serious drug problem in this state, especially in the area called the Man... Matanuska Sisitanava. Oh my God! I'm trying to pronounce, <laughs> trying to pronounce into it words. Um, while the Matsu Valley, I can handle that. Thank you, Anonymous. While the Matsu Valley has had some of the same drug problems that plague most of the rural United States, it's known for one drug more than any other: meth. By some measurements, Wasilla, Alaska, my hometown, located in the Matsu Valley, is actually the meth capital of the United States. I've often thought a remake of Breaking Bad should be set there, replace hot Albuquerque with frigid Anchorage, replace desert scenes with frozen tundra, etc. Kind of interesting background. It'd be interesting yeah. if Jesse ends up in Alaska, he might end up trying to get into the Yukon and the same kind of shit that he... Yeah, man, uh, I've got work. it. So we've got two spinoffs now. We've got the Saul Goodman spinoff, and we've got Northern Exposure starring Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> And we could call it the name, uh, Ice Road Methers. No, Ice Meth <laughs> Truckers. No, wait, Ice Meth Cookers. That's it. We got it. Ice Meth Cookers. Okay. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, Preston said, when Walt disappears, Lydia finds out that Todd can't make the product that checks need, so she or Todd will kidnap, force Jesse to cook for them. They'll start distributing Walt's recipe and making money, all the while Jesse is their bitch. Walt will somehow get wind of this and come back to exact revenge on the Nazis and save Jesse, but it will be more about ego that no one can cook the blue but him. That's a common take, but the last was a little was a little twist that he's not coming back for Jesse so much as to preserve the Heisenberg name. Brand. Interesting. I kind of like that. That that seems to line up with Walt's uh, character a little bit. Uh, the the part that I don't know about though is why go after Jesse if you want a really good cook. Why not kidnap Walt? Force him to Because he's already gone through the disappearer, presume. See, a lot of these theories build on each oh, other. And it's kind okay. of hard to, okay. yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, Mallory says, let me pur- purpose my rep- perception of this. In this episode where Walter and Skylar attended Elliot Schwartz's birthday party, they both show up in loud clothing. Everyone else is wearing khaki or white. Skylar whispers to Walt, I didn't get the beige memo. 
She also mentions how the dress is the only thing that fits her in her current pregnant state. I think that the fact that they're wearing light colors is an ode to their perception of money. Now that they have it, this is what they feel that they should be wearing. It's a nice color callback, hmm. something we know that the Vince does pay yeah. attention to. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Roger states, this is the episode that if you had any shred of respect for the man, Walter White, it should be finally gone. That video is, in my humble opinion, the most heinous evil thing that Walt has done to date. <laughs> Murdering a child is more evil. He's been cold and cruel. He's been vile, but this takes the cake. The reason is that he's not only saving – he's not saving any lives, rather, but he's also destroying someone else's intentions mm -hmm. that have been correct and moral and pure the entire series. He's finally ruining an innocent life, a good guy, and I wanted to vomit all over myself watching it. <laughs> I, Did you I, feel I would sick? vomiting in the toilet, but yeah, I, I have some experience with that <laughs> recently. Oh Christ, man! You're you're the only person that's a more violent vomiter than I am, man. <laughs> and I have broken blood vessels in my face and detached a retina <laughs> vomit i'm not even making that shit up i partially horrific. detached a retina vomiting so bad and you were worse no i couldn't it, oh god anyway people what don't know people don't know that. that you got immediately sick after episode basically 502 i did the editing was kind of crap on it uh there's a reason for that. And, and and you were laid low for almost a whole week. It's one of the reasons yeah. we're kind of behind under Kickstarter stuff. But Whatever. Uh, uh, thank so God. What, what was his point? Sorry. I don't know. He vomited over himself. Yes. Oh, the heinous act of the, the tape. Uh, I. Yeah, it was certainly heinous. I'm not going to argue that it's not but it was absolutely also badass. despicable. It was kind of badass. <laughs> uh, but there's the, there's the child murder. That's no good. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. yeah. And I know he didn't do it, but he sure did justify it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Christopher wanted to remind us of the callback of Marie telling Walt to kill himself at, at dinner. It reminded me of the time Walt Jr. tells him to just die already in season one. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. Um, good callback. And the season full of them. Brandon said when Todd's uncle and the neo-Nazi pal headed to the bathroom, they discussed two things that made them fed up with America. Oh, this is brilliant. First is the armrest in between seats on an airplane. The second, a kid with a bicycle helmet on. I don't need to call up a Bob, Bob Ross to paint us a pretty picture of the disasters involving planes and kids with helmets on this show. <laughs> wow. Good one. Despite every act Walt took as a, to make sure that Jesse would not find out about the ricin, he could not have pre predicted that the dubious dubious mistake by Saul would result in Jesse connecting the dots. Jesse uncovering the secret of rice and cigarette as the Alaskan avalanche accelerating us towards a brutal finish. I believe the Gilligan used his dialogue between the uncles of anarchy to make a point that we can never be truly safe, that if our attempts to control the world around us are feeble and futile, if we are to treat this callback to the plane crash and Drew Sharp seriously, then the motherfucking Nazis are bad news. Huh. Strong take, Brandon. I like that I draw that's got that's, that's probably deliberate, right? It's got to be. Yeah, I didn't even pick up on it, but that's a good catch. You wear a helmet on your motorbike, get shot in the face by a Matt Meth Damon. Scott says, I think they'll kidnap and threaten the lives of Walt or of Skyler and Walt Jr. or both to get Walt to cook the remaining methylamine for them. Um, I, we've talked about we don't really want to see. Walt Cook, but this is one of the theories I thought was actually interesting, and it's for the following reasons that Scott lies, li lines out. It's the only way to get Walt back in la the lab one last time. 
Obviously, money or threats to his own life are meaningless at this point. Two, it would be crazy to watch Skyler and Junior watch Walt work his magic in the yellow suit. For Skyler, it would be horrifying knowing that she could have been safe if she'd only confessed and turned Walt in at the diner. It's karmic payback for a decision to break bad. And for Walt, it would finally tear down the one thing he's been able to maintain throughout the series, his family's safety. As he talks about it in his bathroom floor confession, providing for his family is the only thing he has left. That's a good take. Yeah. yeah. I don't it think is. it's going to happen, but that is a good take. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. There's so many theories out there that it just gets – like I don't know what's going to happen anymore. I think I know one thing, and then somebody has a theory that throws a monkey wrench in and introduces something I hadn't thought about. It's all Indeed. It's crazy. Adam says, since Villigan, since Vince Gilligan rather is known for his misdirection, it's obvious that the flash forward in the uh, opening of Blood Money was a huge decoy. He wants us to think the world is aware of Walt as Heisenberg, but after this episode, it's clear that Heisenberg's true identity isn't known in the flash forward. He's got two options here. Option one is Jesse hasn't burned the house down because Walt Jr. is home. Option two, Hank, who is seen leaving the office, office in confession, heads by Casa de Walt for a conversation with Skyler or Jr., only to stumble upon the crazed Pinkman rampage. So you, you're a, a you're a believer of option two. But, but the, not uh, for that reason, yeah. But this option, the, this gets crazy quick. Option one, Jesse spills the beans to Junior about what a scumbag his dad really is, or most likely, Junior's accidentally shot when he stumbles into the kitchen looking for some of Mrs. White's choice breakfast treats. What if Walt accidentally shoots Walt Junior because he thinks he's Jesse doing some kind of rampage? Uh, Wow. Yeah, that could happen. That would be insane. Option two, Jesse and Hank decide to team up and destroy Walt, but since Hank's are tied, hands are tied to the DEA, only one option is available. They will lead Declan's crew to view Walter as a threat, and I think he means the pan- team Panzer Gray, to view Walter as a threat and have them eliminate Walter, thus giving Hank and Jesse closure while keeping their hands clean. Wouldn't that be interesting if they hit, if they organize a hit on Walt? Uh, for what reason? Sorry, I didn't hear what prompted all of the. The because they can't, Hank day. can't go to the DEA. That option is is toast for him. So he basically talks Team Panzer Grand and putting a, him and Jesse oh. uh, put a hit on Walt. That's so the thing, though. I don't. Legal. I, I don't think Hank wants to go extra legal. I don't know that he will go extra legal. And even if he does go extra legal, uh, Walt has the tape, and he says at the beginning of the tape, in the in the event of you seeing this, I'm probably dead, and here's why. So Hank can't yeah. really kill him. Yeah. Would Skylar go through with that? I mean, that's a better that's 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 honestly a better threat than it is a real credible defense. Maybe so. Because in Maybe the end, so, everything but... bad the wall. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. It's buy really the... the nuclear option. It's like mutual assured destruction, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, what I don't buy in the theory stuff. There is that the only options are Walt Jr. comes home or Hank finds him. <laughs> like there, there's any number of reasons why Jesse might not be able to burn down this house, and I don't, I don't think we should limit ourselves to just someone comes home. All right, Ben. Ben has a good take. He basically says, "Look, we know that Vince Gilligan consistently surprises us." 
Um, he thinks that the gun in Walt's trunk will not be used in such a predictable way as Walt shooting someone. His guess is he'll either use the gun for parts to build something or to plant evidence or otherwise craft a devilishly clever Heisenbergian scenario like fulminated mercury, thermite, wheelchair bomb, the ricin, etc. Do you think that we're actually thinking something's going to be kiss, kiss, boom, boom, and it's going to be more complicated and Heisenberg than that? Uh, could be. Could be. I, I, certainly nothing has worked out the way it seemed like it was going to work out for Walt, so that's possible. All right, last one before we get to the spoilers. Uh, hello, J-Ron, or maybe A-Jim. Not sure how you prefer your celebrity couple nickname to be ordered. <laughs> J-Ron like, sounds way better, right? J-Ron's pretty strong. I like that. Okay. okay. There's been a lot of talk about Walter taking on traits characteristic of victims after he kills them. I like to posit that this is because his alter ego, Heisenberg, is the living, breathing, pork pie, hat-wearing personification of cancer. Much like cancer, Heisenberg corrupts and destroys the good cells, such as Jesse, Walt, uh, Sky, Walt Jr. and Skyler around him. His corruptions are erratic, random, and painful. Much like cancer, as Hans Heisenberg metastasizes, he absorbs and consumes other cells around him. Mm. He's not taking people's traits as much as he is a human blob, assimilating them into his own persona. This is another reason why the time period of one year may seem absurd on the surface, but works well with the cancer metaphor. Because the Heisenberg tumor started out dormant but is now growing with increasing speed, thus intensifying the action with every passing week, when the action slowed and he was in a sterile, clean environment while cooking for Gus, for example, Walt was as timid and weak as he'd been before in the first season. Gus' lab was chemo, putting Heisenberg in remission. Ever since he destroyed the lab, he's been like Jim in the bathroom. Terrible. <laughs> I have no idea what that, where that last thing come from. All right. If he's talking about you're vomiting, yes, that is a vile and human <laughs> act. Uh, are you are, are you a famous bathroom wrecker? I think that's more my motif, right? Oh, yeah. I think you like to wreck bathrooms uh... – in different ways than I do. I don't like to. It's just a natural result of <laughs> no, my no, no. use of don't, the... Don't give me that. You take pleasure in it. <laughs> well, I, I, it doesn't hurt. Uh, I don't take pride in it. My, my body just works dark arts on toilets. What do you want from me? <laughs> All right. Anyway, I, so I love the, the metaphors. That's what really gets me going with this show is the, the layers that you don't see uh, when you really think about who these characters are in the stories. Uh, even more so than, like, theories and trying to play the guessing game uh, on what's going to happen. I, I like to see those metaphors. So this is kind of an awesome one, you know? I mean, Walt is the cancer. Indeed. In fact, there's so many visual things that I actually thought were going to be uh, uh, talked about in the uh, feedback, but I, I guess they were casualties of the edit war. Um, a lot of people emailed us the fact that that damn spillway, that goddamn oh, spillway that Jesse was standing in front of looked like tombstones. Sure, and yeah. it's kind of it's kind of uh, a visual representation of all the death that he and Heisenberg are responded, and him uh, has a choice to flee from it. Mm-hmm. Um, three or four people emailed that into us. Um, brilliant take, um, and all that stuff is just so so clever, so great. Yeah. Um, I agree. The you, I think some people do go too far in analyzing this, but it's hard to know where that line is, man. Hard to know. Absolutely. Shall I outro this bitch? Bring it. Yeah. You can email us at breakinggood at baldmove.com. 
You can go to Facebook.com slash Bald Move and join into our just exploding live recaps and live watches of this stuff. And you can do the same to, uh, on Twitter with Jim, at Bald Move. Uh, we're having a lot of fun this season. This season is a towering work of genius so far. Uh, please join us in our social media endeavors of that. It's uh, the more the merrier. I think there's one more thing I want to say. <laughs> one more thing I want to say, and I can't quite put my finger on it. All right. That's I it. Guess, Thanks guess everybody. Not. Thanks everybody for listening. We're going to do the spoiler section after the music, so if you don't want to hear those, tune the fuck out. Uh, but if yeah, you do, no, nothing stick real, nothing real megawatty. Uh, yeah. Spoilers have kind of gone kind of dark on us. That's um, fine. I'm a okay with that. Not sure if I ran them off or 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 just this is the way that the Villigans tightened up the ship a little bit. But we did, like I said, we got some got some spoilers that uh, turned out to be bullshit. I'm glad we didn't air them. Um, but if you got them, send them in. I'll, I'll definitely put a post up, and the people that want to read it can do it. So, awesome. Uh, like I said, spoilers after the music. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you Sunday night. And we're back with the spoiler section. I just watched the preview for next week, and it looks like some shit's going down with Walt Jr. Uh, Marie has given up the fight. Uh, Skyler's angry about something that Walt's not dealing with. It might be Jr., but they kind of want to mislead us there, I think. Yeah, it could be Jr., it could be Jesse. Um, we definitely see Jr.'s factoring heavily in this episode. He yes. wants to know why his dad just can't tell him the truth. We also see Jesse with what looks like he's walking away from the DEA office. That's what I thought, yeah. Because uh, we've seen enough of the exterior building to recognize it. And why he's saying, Mr. White is the devil. <laughs> he's channeling Bobby Boucher's mom. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, do you think he talks? Is that what's going to happen? I, dude, I, fuck, I don't, I don't know. I know. It's so hard to say. Um they're not Definitely. really showing Hank much, which makes me think that maybe Hank does break it up at the middle. Maybe Jesse and Walt are going to fu- do each other in, and he comes in and stops. I don't know. Fuck, man. I don't know. This It's, it's know futile either. to predict the villain. I mean, I'm, it's not stopping him from trying, but I don't know that that gives me any more or less information. Yeah, all we can really go on is the information we have for sure, which is that Marie is worried. Marie feels and, beaten. And Junior is questioning what's going on so something is up and he knows it all right uh and we also the only thing is that really worries me is the next episode is called uh problem uh rabbit dog yeah last time we had episode problem dog it was jesse kvetching about having to kill gail right um and rabbit dog has to be yeah. put and a rabid dog has to be put down, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So it could this is and this is something that Klosterman and Sep or and uh, 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 Bill Simmons were debating. I wouldn't say that Villigan would have the balls to put down Jesse in see in episode four, except for everything has happened so fast. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, this is 
a lot of this season is going to be about Jesse, certainly. But I would be okay with the last four being mostly about Hank. Or Walt. Well, yeah. The I mean, the interactions Hank, between what them. What the fuck? Really? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the interactions between Walt and Jesse or Walt and Hank. Okay. Not, not just those characters. So Jesse gets killed the final moments of this episode, and we've got I, four more I, to deal with the consequences. De- yeah, depending on how the next four after that go, I think I could be okay with that. I mean, I just. I mean, he was like, supposed to die in season one, right? So it, it just seems hard to believe that Skyler and Walt Jr. and even Holly are going to make this out alive, man. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, and again, the more I watch that preseason or the flash forward footage, the more I, it looks like Walt's just a broken man. So yeah. Anyway, let's get to the feedback, shall we? Yep, let's do it. Isaac says, I'm not sure what this would mean for the story, but I figure once that Walter White is Heisenberg, the ABQ meth board goes public, as we know it will. His ties to Grey Matter are obviously going to be publicized, making Gretchen and Elliot and their ties to Walt personally and possibly career-wise noteworthy. This would make sense for the Charlie Rose cameo if uh, that he spoiled, if it's really true, because everyone in the media would want the part of the story, right? Again, not sure where this fits. Maybe Walt sees him on TV talking about him, and he loses it. And he ricens or goes postal with his M60 at Gray Matter. A lot of people liking that uh, M60 winding up a Gray Matter business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe he ricens Charlie Rose for interviewing him. <laughs> the temerity. Uh, when you're goddamn right, you're dead, Charlie Rose. When the inevitable ties between Walt and Gray Matter's billion-dollar company goes public, do you think there's a chance people will question whether Walt was able to create his empire with the backing of Gray Matter? They're large hmm. multinational chemical technology companies, so the access to chemicals, distribution network, funding, etc. Wouldn't be far-fetched that it could be done. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. That's the one puzzle I have for this season, the casting news we found for the last few episodes. Yeah. Um, it could just be Vince throwing us on the, you know, using subterfuge to throw us all off. Uh, and it also could be one of the lamest ideas I've ever heard. So we'll have to see. <laughs> it would, it would be a yeah. damn shame for him to get to the one yard line and do something bullshit, like a bunch of ghost people <laughs> tormenting Walt on his way to the grave. God, I want to slip my wrist just thinking about it. Yep. Jeff has a prediction for Felina when Walt returns. Obviously, he's building on several theories here, but when Walt returns, rescues Jesse, but has taken, he's also taking the ricin, so he'll die. So he's subscribing to the Walt rescuing Jesse and also Walt taking the ricin theory. He informs okay. Jesse that he is all Walt is left, and being on death's door, confesses his sins and gives Jesse the chance to break good and turn Walt in. Walt also gives him the lottery ticket and an address. Walt seemingly dies in prison. Jesse, with his nine lives, follows the address uh, on the GPS and discovers Todd and Holly. This is where his theory goes off the walls because he doesn't even attempt to explain why the fuck Todd and Holly are going <laughs> to be together. out in this Indian reservation. <laughs> Jesse kills Todd, exercising his final demons with the millions of dollars at his disposal. This is where I start liking it again. Uh, raises Holly Pinkman the right way. He says, come on, she's always wearing pink anyway. Jesse right. walks into the sunset as Dave Porter's iconic theme closes the show. Other than the, I like the beginning. I like the end. <laughs> the middle, the middle, uh, got a problem with there, Jeff. I don't know, man. Tahajali, uh, we, we know that episode's coming up, right? 
Yeah, but what the fuck? I mean, that's wh- the Indian reservation with Holly and Todd. Clearly, I get a lot of theories on my spoil on my email box, or just basically the the bullet points of Mad Men, uh-huh. just writing random <laughs> sentences that are not connected and they have no correlation to each other, and it's like, yeah, uh, okay, um, but <laughs> but it's like it's you know it's like this thing is like. Uh, he actually had like a this. He actually this was an email that was sent like uh over four or five of the last episodes where he had the arc, and most of it was like you know kind of familiar. Jesse's going to be kidnapped. Walt's going to be forced to cook. Blah blah blah. But I but I'm like, where is this Todd and Holly being out in the desert waiting for you? I mean, maybe maybe Todd's got uh, Holly hostage. But if Walt's dead, I don't know. Maybe I should have read between the lines a little bit more here. Amanda says, oh, this is a good, this is a long take, too. Um, But it's the final one, so that's cool. I think it's the final one. It's the final one. Definitely the final one. Amanda says, I have known the old Marty Robbins song, El El Paso, all my life. And since seeing the episode titles for this last season, can't get it out of my head that the final episode, Felina, could have more to do with this classic song rather than some of the other theories that have been mentioned on your show. I've read the lyrics, and I've been struggling to find a way to mesh the song to meshing with the finale. I've also listed some of my ideas below. I'm not nearly as detail-savvy as you or some of your followers. Jesus Christ, man, I've never even heard of this song. I think you're you're plenty (laughs) detail-savvy for me. But I like to think— Don't sell yourself short either. Stressing yourself out about how the connections are there is one of the finer points of coming up with a good, solid theory. That's right. If someone can send in the fact that there's a piece of blood on a paper napkin in a toilet, you can for damn sure stand by sides tall and proud with your El Paso prediction, Amanda. Absolutely. She says, so if you what look is at, it? If you look at the Wikipedia, she has nothing. Just that. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see the Wikipedia entry for El Paso. It says a classic, a genre classic for its gripping narrative, which leads into death or it ends in the death of the protagonist and its shift from past to present tense and haunting harmonies. And is, is this an homage to the flashback forwards and the awesome soundtrack to breaking bad provides uh, regarding the season's final shout out to past episodes. This song could be played or have something in as a homage homage to episode two or season two, episode seven uh, Negro E Azul the humorous and Tex-Mex ballad of Heisenberg that was sung throughout naming the entire episode, narrating the entire episode. Hell, I could almost see it as a final outro of the finale. I'm going to read a little bit of the lyrics here. It says, Out in West Texas, town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. Uh, Nighttime would find me in Rosa's Cantina. Music would play and Felina would whirl. Um, It talks about that, you know, he has this, you know, love affair with her and then some rival steals him away. He ends up murdering the guy, um, and then it says at the end, uh, Felina is strong, and I rise where I've fallen, through I, though I'm weary, I can't stop the rest. I see the white puff, puff of smoke from the rifle. I feel the bullet go deep in my chest. From out of nowhere, Felina has found me, kissing my cheek as she kneels by my side, cradled by two loving arms that I'll die for. One little kiss, and Felina, goodbye. Do you think we know that Vince Gilligan is a student of pop culture, He's a student of music. Uh, he actually soundtracked the pilot himself with his own CD collection. 
Do you think that this Felina is going to be some sort of reference that goes in, you know, this has been uh, kind of a cowboy western opera. Do you think this fits in? I like it. I, so I think it's a stretch, but uh, Jesse has been struggling to find love somewhere, right? Like Jane and then Andrea, and that's kind of where this song would point. Right, that maybe mm-hmm. J- Jesse would find somebody finally who Walt didn't murder or scare off, uh, and then he's killed by Walt at the last minute. Well, or Walt kills him. I mean, because that's, the thing that, is, that's who, what I'm saying. Yeah, who's Walt's biggest rival throughout the series? Uh, Gus. Uh, no constant throughout the series, you asshole. Okay. Uh, Objection. You lead, me, leading you, the podcaster. Yeah, you want me to say Jesse, so I'll say Jesse. Yes, Jesse. So, <laughs> I mean, it could tie in that. And, and again, it would be so awesome if somehow Heisenberg dies in the desert like that fucking Narco Corridor song video, yeah, music yeah, video. It would. It would be so, so intensely satisfying. And I keep thinking that De Villigan seems like He's all about fan service in this final season. You know what? Have we seen the hat lately? The pork pie? He hasn't. No. I can't. The last time I remember him wearing it was when he put it on outside of Gus's house. And then someone called and told him to go home, Walter. I'm wondering that if that's not on purpose. Four. Is but there a the reason hat. for that? He's post-Heisenberg? No, 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 no. I mean, is Villigan doing that? For a reason, like he wants us to forget about the hat. Hmm. So it'll come back in the final episode. Yeah. I mean, he sure ain't wearing Heisenberg shit in the flash forward. He's wearing that military jacket, and which we had a lot of takes about people saying, "Oh, he's wearing the same jacket as Todd." No, for sure the jackets are different. Todd is not <laughs> wearing Villigan or is not wearing Han- uh, Walt's jacket from the flash forwards. Jury's still out on yeah, Jesse yeah. Angle, but it's not on the Todd. Uh, that's all I got, man. Okay. That's enough. Now, that's it for the podcast. This has been a, a really long one. Epic. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope people gonna... appreciate that because uh, maybe people like short podcasts. I don't know. We'll see. Our, our, every time we polled people, it seems like there is no end to the appetite of discussion that people can have. But, that's uh, true. We'll see. I mean, it's going to clock in at probably about two hours after you edit it. Definitely. I don't envy you. you got a lot of, lot, of, lot of editing to do. So. Ah, bring it on. No problem. <laughs> All right, I'll let you get to it, my friend. Uh, everybody else, I will see you on Sunday night. Yeah, definitely. See you guys later.